0: Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don with your host, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys.
1: Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts and remember to leave us a five star review thank you to nicole thompson for the wonderful introduction and to our guy mike regina with the great music as always to pump us up but we don't need much pumping up today as we have a first time guest on so let me welcome in everyone's favorite jt jimmy thompson how you feeling today
2: I love how you do this. Keep the same energy. Keep the same green screen room energy, like green room energy. Like you always talk shit about me behind before we start the show. Then we flip that switch, and all of a sudden, like, hey, welcome this guy in who everybody loves. And this is like, we don't have to fake. Like, you don't have to say you like me. You could just keep the same energy when the switch
1: for the recording comes on. But I I think by now, so. You got to give some background, JT, right? In the green room, it's JT, myself, and our guest who we'll will introduce shortly. You know, we have quite the banter going, and our guest actually partaked great because the he fact that
2: the fact that you call it banter, everybody knows that's bullshit. It's, it's just you. It's just you trying to set a tone where, hey, let me get this person on my side so I can look like I'm I'm winning. So, hey, look, whatever you want to call me the favorite, we'll do that. I appreciate it. Even if it's you know a little bit sarcastic, but yeah, go ahead, and bring in our guest because I don't think he's going to be quite as buddy buddy with you as you think he is.
1: So before I do that, though, going back to what you said, also nobody is, asked you is that, that. Look, you, you did go. you you pretty much did is this that gonna be when do awesome. I ever hold back punches on the show? I, I've never I've if never you, held back punches to you on the show, right? I always win. Our to our answer debates. your
2: question, I guess if you technically want to call them punches i guess never but I
1: don't, don't really be know, upset but. that i articulate things that could be you know in a debate you know a little better than you
2: just because you got glasses all don't, don't make it any better go i ahead, need them get, are ahead, you making fun guests, of me now you're guests, making can fun me of me i need them i need them
1: all right so are you done talking can i welcome in our our guest proceed all right thank you so let me welcome in from the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And and I'm going to dub him on this show, uh, JT, as our West Coast correspondent. You think that's okay? You think he'll like that?
2: That sounds expensive on taxes, but go ahead, sure. That's okay. It's,
1: It's on your bill anyway. So let's welcome in JT and the Dons, West Coast correspondent, our guy from Final Whistle Sports Podcast, Blaine Spencer. Welcome to the show. First time. So glad you could be with us. Thanks for your time. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well, fellas. Uh, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. I'm excited. Uh, we were talking way too much trash off air, so we'll see how much trash talking we'll be doing on air. Uh, you guys have been on my show, so I appreciate, uh, and I've, it was a blast. So I'm glad to be able to come on to your guys' show and partake. So appreciate it.
1: And and before we get started, Blaine, uh, you mentioned your show. Uh, give it a plug to let our listeners know where they can, uh, where they can find you and where they can find your, your podcast.
0: Absolutely. So you can, uh, catch the final whistle sports podcast. We're on, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, YouTube, you name it. Uh, I'm pretty much on it. Um, you can also catch us on social media, Instagram, TikTok at the final dot whistle and Facebook final whistle sports pod. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun environment. Uh, Actually, I have an announcement coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that major announcement from the final whistle. Uh, so that'll be something exciting to look forward to going into the new year as well. So whoa, whoa, Damn, we we all, we, all,
2: we almost got him to break major news on this show, but see, hey, look, that's the type of show we are, man. We got major, major game breaking news potentially. Maybe he'll tell us by the end of the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
2: All right, you guys ready to kick this off? Let's Let's get it. All right, you know there's no way we can have a show and not talk about Deion Sanders. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, Deion Sanders just became the new head coach, University of Colorado, leaving behind Jackson State, who we just led to an undefeated season. So we're going to talk about a lot dealing with this topic, but the first thing I want to go through with you guys is Deion taking the Colorado job. Was this the right move for him? Blame, I'm going to go to you first.
0: Wow, I think everything's now kind of evolved. I know JT and I we kind of talked about this on another show this past Friday, but um, and just a quick uh, before we jump into Dion, just want thoughts and prayers to Mike Leach's uh, family with him passing away Absolutely. this couple of days. Because now, because now that honestly changes how I would answer that question. Because now I feel like he would be the perfect answer at Mississippi State. Dion would be. But um, um, but if I think it was the right move taking the Colorado job. We've now seen it now with Dion that he's not looking for that big precipice job. He wants to be able to go somewhere, rebuild, like he was in those USC Oklahoma conversations last year, and he literally shrugged those aside. And he's taken literally the definition of a rebuild in Colorado, which is Going to arguably one of the worst teams in FBS at at the time right now right so and I think this is going to be a real challenge for him but I think that's the momentum that he likes to take is that he wants to rebuild something and that's what he did at Jackson State was able to turn them around these last two years and now he's going to try and take on that challenge at Colorado and it doesn't seem like it's taking him very long he's got a so it seems like he's already landed so many big time recruits already and a bunch of people in the transfer portal. So don't be surprised in a year or two that Colorado's going to be knocking on that uh, college football playoff conversation, especially with the 12 team expansion.
2: So Blaine's predicting he's going to be saving. So, Don, right move for him to take this job?
1: You know, at first I was like, it, it is not. But then when you look at Colorado's history lately, one in 11 this year, four and eight then a COVID year before that. And then they were five and seven from 2017 to 2019. And if you go back to 04, when they went eight and five, they've only had one season since with more than seven wins. So there's no pressure there, JT and Blaine. The fact that you can step into a power five team and not have the pressure to have to win right away. So the job security is gonna be there. Because I do believe, Blaine, he goes to Mississippi State, much more difficult conference. And with that big of a name, Mississippi State, and how much they were going to pay him, they're going to want a quick return on investment. Like, he's got to be easily, consistently giving eight and nine wins to keep his job. That's difficult. I I mean, I don't care who it is. Like, it's difficult in that conference besides Nick Saban, I should say. So, at first I was like – No, it's not. But then with what I said, as far as job security, stepping into a power five, I was like, you know, Dion's a smart guy. Yes, he is a great coach, but he's also a smart guy. I mean, you go back to his Florida State days, he was well ahead of the curve of the NIL deals, you know, and then when he got to Atlanta, he's making CDs and music like he's always been kind of in the forefront. And I think that with that said, he knows what he's doing going to Colorado. They're getting out of the USC and UCLA are leaving. So now that's going to open up the PAC 12 because it's really going to be Oregon, maybe Washington a little bit. So now that does leave room for someone else to step in and Colorado's investing. It seems that on the fourth, in the, I should say on paper in what they're saying in the media, it looks like they're going to make an investment into the program they had back in 2017, they upgraded all of their athletic facilities, including football. They even have like a rooftop terrace club now. I mean, that sounds like something Coach Prime would like. So they've upgraded their facilities. I think they're giving Dion free reign to bring in whatever staff he wants. He was able to get Sean Lewis away as a head coach at Kent State to now run his offense, to take a coach, a head coach away to run the offense. That's impressive. And players are going to come there. And in fact, Colorado university to show how much they believe in Dion and letting him have free reign. They have now changed their transfer credit requirements, meaning credit, more credits can come in from transfers that will allow them to be able to transfer and not skip a beat, at least academically. So When you talk about all those things, the staff, the facility upgrade, I mean, I think it was like over $170 when they finished that project in 2017. Great indoor facility. And they're already changing requirements to the university, like, admissions-wise for Dion.
2: That's a game changer, to be honest with you. Like, like for you to say, like, look, we're going to make ourselves – an attractive destination so anybody can jump in this portal and come play for this coach. Like that shows, cause I, I think we're on the same page with our initial worries because it's Colorado. Like they're right. notoriously Absolutely. known on the, the coaching trail is like, look, don't go here because they're not all in. They're not all in financially on this program. And then Dion's available and everything changes overnight. So yeah, I think the credit thing is a big thing that nobody's really talking about. Like that shows that even if they're not paying him like a top coach, like the process they mean business and they're serious about it
1: yeah and i think it was difficult for him to leave jackson state um Mm. because he he had been building something nice there but at the end of the day the salaries it's just hard to compete as well and i mean i just think at the end of the day even though it is colorado because you and i have the same concern jt but at the end of the day it's starting to look more and more, especially he's already getting guys to flip. He brought his son in, he's getting transfers in. Like it's starting to already look like a, a good squad. So, stole got that Alabama
0: he, defensive coordinator, too. Yes. I think that, like he's yep. pulling people from saving.
1: Like, yeah, I've got to believe he knows what he's doing and he would not be jumping into this if they didn't promise him, you know, free reign in a lot of things and an investment. And if he didn't believe that he could get it turned around
2: I agree with you guys and I think I had the same concerns about this Colorado job when it first started and I was like why didn't he take the USF job because it's like it's Florida it's Dion this and this is going to be easy for him but the more you know as things have unraveled and we think about it yeah I do think it's the right decision for three reasons one he's getting paid more like we're, we're all here. If somebody's going to pay us more to do the same job at another company, we're going to take that opportunity. Right. So that's a no brainer. The second is this is the only true power five job that he was offered. So if you are going to leave Jackson State to take a new head coaching job, choose the one that has the biggest upside. And then the third reason why I think this is a good move for him is he's already showing it wherever Dion goes. There goes college football. He is the show. Like, he can go anywhere. He can go to University of Alaska, and guys are going to be like, hey, coach, man, like, I got my coat ready. I'm ready to come up there and play for you. So I think he'll make it work. I do think out of everything that was available to him to leave Jackson State, this was by far the best option, and it was an easy decision. So I think we're good that we're all in agreement on that. Now, the other part of this conversation is, you know, there's backlash because he – is not staying with with Jackson State, not staying within the HBCU community. And that's kind of what his messaging was when he came there. You know, like, hey, uh, I'm here to rebuild the HBCU. But what does this mean for college football and the future of Black coaches with Dion taking this Colorado job?
0: I think it signifies something that it doesn't matter where you're starting your, your coaching career. Everybody can figure out a way to work yourself up. I mean, the one thing about college football and something that's a little bit different than the NFL and high school world, right? It is a, it is the definition of a results driven conundrum because you get basically 12 one game showcases that you have to win basically right just to get yourself into the conversation of being in that college football playoff but now it's going to evolve a little bit more right with the, the expansion going up to 12 but i think for college football it this is also a signifier for as don said i'm the west coast guy right so um being able to raise the and bring in the west coast a little bit more like not many people really watch the pack 12 after they like, call it pack 12 after dark because like for love you it. guys it's 12 it's 12 o'clock it's 1 a.m like, i love 12 football yeah, no, show. yeah so it's like, very
1: passionate we are
0: so it just it's gonna and it's also gonna resound the pack 12 of holding on like don said usc's gone ucla is gone Oregon's in that conversation of leaving, right? So it's not like, how do you keep your wherewithal for the Pac-12 and that and college football at, from a West Coast perspective? Like Deion Sanders is going to embody that just, just but by, by his mere presence on the college football field for the University of Colorado for the future of black coaches. I, I really hope this opens the door. It's, it's sometimes it and we all know this they their their results don't get as recognized as everybody else and looking at like for me like I'm gonna look at this from JT and myself right if JT had more results and should, is winning more games he should get he should be the top candidate sometimes universities don't look at that standard right like for example, I mean, I'm gonna go back to Mike Leach again. Like Mike Leach never got that big job opportunity, right? Because of he was a little bit odd and uh, not part of like Your the personality normal spectrum. Didn't fit
2: with a lot of people.
0: Correct. So, and unfortunately, that's how universities look at it. They look at it at a grant at a at a scope at a narrow minded entity scope towards their overall bottom line right they're not looking at it at a full perspective of everything and I, hopefully this opens some eyebrows that colorado is making this change and taking this chance that it's going to open pandora's box for black coaches
2: yeah i mean i looking back i wish i bet a lot of programs wish they'd hire mike leach now because his coaching tree is insane
0: well did you hear the story that they were talking about these last couple of days is that the Tennessee University of Tennessee athletic director literally flew out to Pullman didn't didn't tell anybody at the university was just gonna go met with him and offered him the job like didn't want any other candidates and it was the university president that fired the AD when he for found trying out. to break yeah when, when he, he found, found out because he was trying to hire Mike Leach and they were they were not comfortable with Mike Leach's. Optics and like beliefs and how he spoke because the man was like a lawyer, right? So like the man had a law degree. I mean, he didn't play college football. He played rugby. The man is Paul just is, so. He, yeah. it,
2: the reason the Tennessee was uncomfortable with them is because
0: it's a southern
2: thing. Like Mike Leach is not a southern guy. The same way Brian Kelly right. is not a southern guy, and, and that's, <laughs> that's,
0: the,
2: that's the that's the and that's the yeah. problem with the SEC, yeah. and that's why this is going to be a big deal. And I'll talk about it when it's my turn, but. Yeah, it's Mike Leach. I, I'm surprised that he ended up in the SEC, but that's what happens when you're so good. Like they have no choice but to bring you in because somebody else is going to get Mike Leach and get those nine, 10 wins and get a bowl appearance. So it's it's cultural fit with SEC. Um, But let's, let's go to Don. Well, Don, what are, you, what are you going to Well, go ahead, that?
1: JT. Just go ahead and, and and run with it, you know, answer the question and then, and then I'll jump in after it.
2: So this is actually very interesting. So what does this mean for college football? I think what it's going to do is one, one or two things. If I am an SEC school, I'm really, really looking at this Colorado situation really closely because you have a very unique situation where you have a guy in Dion who hasn't been coaching that long. He's going to a program where they're not paying him the top market value to bring him in, but The trade-off is they're giving him complete control to run his operation. So if he is successful, this is going to be the blueprint that a lot of schools are going to use to hire coaches going forward, big-name coaches that can attract recruits, and let's turn over the show to him. So if he's successful, everybody's going to with that model. But where it becomes an issue is that's not how the SEC works. We were just talking about SEC has a pecking order, boosters, coaches, and that's how it goes. Nick Saban at Alabama with all his success can't even get around the boosters. So if Dion shows that there's another way, that's going to really kind of shake up the culture of the SEC. So that's where I'm really going to be interested to watch on the college football level,
1: how it's going to impact it. Before you go to the next part of the question, I'm curious, what do you mean though, that the boosters now can't run the show and it would be Dion's show and or vice versa where, like the boosters can still want to run the show. Like what would be any different? Cause in my, in my mind, it would be, you know, if you're a booster at like Vanderbilt, if you were a booster at before, you know, the Mike Leach was initially hired, let's say Dion was in this process and I'm at Mississippi state and I'm seeing Brian Kelly to LSU Jimbo to Texas A&M like why would I say don't bring in Dion? Because I don't get as much power as a booster. Like, if Dion's going to go 12 and 0 and I can talk to my old miss friends and rub it in their face that we're 12 and 0 champs, what do I care how much say I have in the program? If my money is being used properly to win titles and we're going to championship games celebrating in a suite while my buddies that are Ole Miss fans, Alabama fans, are now at home watching me on television. Like, I don't I, – explain that to me. I, I'm not trying – I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't understand what you quite so, mean by that. Like, that not even Nick Saban gets to run the show. Like, that, that wouldn't preclude him, though, from coming into Alabama. You know what I mean?
2: So – so that was a very, very, very long question. The longest question in captivity that was ever hey, asked. Hey, that's what
1: I do. So then by the time, because so like, like, you I don't know, even I know how to answer it.
2: I think in your mind, you had a legitimate question and you saw it and you're like, it makes sense to me. But then you kind of answered the question halfway through the question. The, so,
0: so a nutshell, <laughs>
2: nutshell <laughs> the nutshell, it comes down to culture. It comes down to culture. And we just talked about it with Mike Leach. The reason that the Tennessee president didn't want him there is because he's not an SEC guy. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, some some people are just not fit for SEC. And when I say the boosters have control, does Nick Saban get to do his job? Yes, but... He's not the end all be all. Like he still has to answer to somebody. And I compare but I, I, compare, I get, I'm, I'm I answering. It. Let me finish.
1: I, I, I'm gonna well, answer. I the have question. another I have another well, question. Well, let me answer the first
2: question. So we can continue. so, so, we, so it. we can continue. Cause it, cause I, we still fine. got
1: other questions. I, let me just get this out.
0: I understand can your you, answer. Let me, me do got another eulogy to go on. I know. Oh. I, don't, I don't I don't have I don't have time. Oh, Blade,
1: whoa, oh, Blade, don't be jumping in on oh, not oh,
0: I don't have oh, time. I don't
1: have
2: time to blood Denzel Washington monologues from Fences. Now basically sec boosters have the ego equivalent to high-end coaches and that's what it is and if you go to any if you talk to anybody that's an sec fan that has worked in the sec and athletics mainly football they will tell you that in the south boosters run the show even when it seems like the coaches i think that's part of the problem at texas a&m i think that's why jimbo is not really comfortable um i think nick saban has a good relationship but i'm pretty sure if you put him on a lie detector test he would say look I don't have as much control as you think I do. Now, the reason why I'm saying that that is where I'm watching with Dion is that Colorado has to do that because they can't afford to pay him the money to to bring him in. So what's the next best thing? Well, I'm going to give you stock options so you have some control in the company. If he is successful, other schools are going to see, oh, the way Colorado ran the show with Dion is the new wave. It's a copycat league. We're going to do that. I just don't see old rich people in the sec that are boosters saying, you know what? I'm going to let a guy come in and run the show. And definitely not a guy that looks like Dion coming in and run the show. Cause if that was the case and this was, and I was wrong, he wouldn't even be at Colorado. He'd be at FSU cause they would already hire him. So it is a regional thing and that's how the way the boosters go. So that's, that's the answer to your question. It's just the boosters and how they run the show in the South. Now for, for black coaches, Blaine, I agree, and we talked about this before. I think what this does is two things. One, it allows upward mobility for, with coaches, Black coaches in the HBCU circuit that are successful. Because you ask yeah. any coach that coaches at historically Black college, they'll tell you, look, our credits do not transfer on our resume. So I could be the shit at HBCU, Power 5, D1 college football is not looking at it the same way. So if Dion is successful, it's going to be a copycat lead. They're going to be like, all right, who's the next Dion? Who's the next offensive genius? Who's the next guy that we can go down to the HBCU level and bring up to uh, D1 college football? So I think that's good too. Also, I think it, sh- it will open up, you know, coaching opportunities for black people all over. Because I think there's a lot of good black coaches that are in college football. And I think a lot of them are you know, in the recruiting realm. It's like, Hey, like they might be really good at their job, but we're really here. We're really here to have you here to relate to the players and to bring in recruits. Now, if Dion can show that he can run this whole program, you know, pretty much the way he did at Jackson state. Then you're going to have people changing their minds. Everybody's going to want to get their hands on the next Dion. So this could be a good thing for not just the HBCU coaches to move up to more, uh, more fruitful jobs, but, The black coaches that are already in D1 college football that may not be getting those opportunities that now they see Deionic successful and now those guys are being considered for jobs.
1: Yeah, I think for college football, what it means is like, if I'm any of the other teams, I'm worried. Like, look out because kids want to play for Deion. We saw that even at Jackson State. Can you imagine now at Colorado, a power five school? All right, so, and then he just gets it, right? he gets what it means to be not only a player, but how that lifestyle is nowadays and what kids want to hear and what kids need. Like he, he understands that. And he does things differently. And I think that's why guys like to play for him. Coaches are willing to coach with him. And he gets that, like he's able to get college game day to, to come to the HBCU game and do their show live from there. Like, like, so I think to the other schools, they're a little worried because they're like, man, he could just take off with this. And now we're competing against him for all of the big time, you know, five star guys. And I I just I kind of echo what you two said about what it means for the future of black coaches in that, you know, I, I think Dion's right. Like it'll help him making that jump, going to a power five, coming from HBCU school where he was successful already is successful at the power five, like future black coaches will now receive that recognition that, you know, they they've earned um, and and deserve by hopefully then getting their shot at a power five, power five school. And I think Dion mentioned that like four or five minority coaches were let go so far, at least at the time of his hiring. And he was the only um, minority coach to fill any of the vacancies. So that's what his concern was. And I think that was part of him taking it saying, hey, like I, I need to I need to step in here and kind of turn that tide a little bit because the pendulum's going in the wrong, you know, going in the wrong direction. So um, you know, but I I I agree with you guys in terms of what it what it hopefully means for the future of of black coaches.
2: Yeah. And I think ultimately to wrap up that part of the conversation, I just hope that him getting this job will turn coaching and college football into a true meritocracy where people are getting hired based on, you know, the work they do. So the final part of this conversation is he's leaving behind Jackson state and that's drawn a ton of criticism. Do you think that he misled the HBCU community by coming in, building this up and then leaving before people essentially feel the job was not completed?
0: No, it's a, it's a business. Unfortunately, that's how everything works. He didn't, I mean, he didn't, the way he said it to everybody, he never said that this was going to be him trying to create a brand new culture, right. At, at the HBCUs. The one thing that I can say that it's put HBCUs more on the map than they've ever been before. Right. You're starting to see more historically black college or you, HBCUs get more of that recognition now, like, like Don just said, he got college game day to Jackson, Mississippi. Like, like if you had, that's like the definition of you've made it in college football, right? Like you're on one of the biggest stages.
1: made it. Yeah. Your your team team has made it.
0: You're on, you are now officially on one of the biggest stages that college football has to offer. So can, is, is the critique there? I think it's a fair critique that people are calling them out for leaving, but I, I it's like we have pointed out guys, this is a results driven world. You either get promoted or you get terminated. There's no tricks, if, ands or buts about it. So where can we draw the line on everything? But I think this is now going to, like we have mentioned, it's going to give them HBCUs more of an opportunity to take, more of these chances on coaches and give them a little bit more of an opportunity to recruit. Because, like, we started to see that with more high school athletes looking at HBCUs in their opportunity to go to school there, right? It's not just them looking to go to Duke, Kentucky, any of these bigger universities, especially, like, when it wasn't college basketball. And now hopefully that opens the door for college football too.
2: Yeah, I would say the only – Criticism that people have of the whole Dion situation that's valid is like his messaging when he first came there. He's like, Oh, I was I was sent by God to, you know, come resurrect right. to HBCU. Like he gotta know. Like you can't you can't say God and you know, message it into our community and like don't expect us to take it seriously. So I think if he would go back and he wanted to redo something, it would probably be the way that he came in and did the messaging. But that's just Dion, like he's so he's so marquee, like everything's gotta be big stage, like no matter what he does. But I mean, really, there is no criticism that should be going his way. It's like, first of all, he was straight up honest with people when he came there. He told them, look, I'm here. I got a job to do. And if a Power Five school comes calling, I'm going to probably entertain that. That was already on the table. So you knew what you were getting into. And to echo what you guys were saying, you got College Game Day to come there. I'm pretty sure there were some big games on that week where they could have been like, hey, look, we, we could have chose to go on somewhere else, but we wanted to come here because this is the hottest game in town. And that's kudos to Dion for bringing that level of attention and you know value to the HBCU athletics. Now, I will say this. This is the only thing that I hope that the HBCUs will do because Dion did something very valuable that is worth more than his time and spending any money that he could have while he was there. Is He gave you the game. He showed you the blueprint. Go get somebody like me there's one on every television station you turn on. There's a there's a former black athlete that is still popular that all these kids will go pay for it, play for it. Go get you a Shannon Sharp. Go get you a uh, Tracy McGrady. Go get somebody that people know that actually knows the game and get them to your university, and these players will follow. Dion gave you the blueprint. Now, the only thing for me that I hope the HBCUs do is I hope you take all the free game that Dion gave you because guess what? The PWIs are going to do this and they already kind of are. So I hope that you use the knowledge and, you know, you improve the athletics because the resources are there and everything doesn't have to be about finances. Cause if Dion would come to Jackson state and take a pay cut just because he wanted to do it, I'm pretty sure you can get some of these other guys to potentially do that as well. So that would be the one thing I, my message to the HBCU community would be is look, what he did for you is invaluable and he left you in an opportunity in a situation to make it better than when he came. Because same issues that HBCUs had before Dion, if they don't, if they don't take the next steps, they're going to be there after Dion. So that tells me it's not really a Dion problem. It's a it's a structure problem. So he showed you a way to kind of fix this, get on it. If not, then I feel like you can't criticize the man.
1: I I personally think that it's kind of hard for me to answer that question, JT, because on behalf of like the HBCU community, you know what I mean? Like, I I think it's hard for me to, to say how they should or should not feel or whether, you know, they should or should not have should not feel misled by him, nor would I say that Dion did or didn't mislead them. But this is so but this is what I will say is that going back to what you said about his first statements when he got there and everything, what I will say is at the time, and I don't think Dion should take, should have to take criticism for that because we know Dion like Ray Lewis, Michael Irvin, they, they speak from the heart, right? We saw that with the Canes. We saw that when they got to the NFL, like they understand it's big business and media. Sure. But those guys truly speak from the heart. So when he got there, That's the way he felt. Like he was speaking from the heart. And he also said, though, that now it's his calling to go to Colorado to do some of the things that we mentioned in terms of, you know, four black coaches going to a power five school. So that's now how he feels. So, like, I think it's hard for us to sit here and say, well, he's wrong for that, or he, you know, he's wrong for feeling that way, or he's not feeling that way. Like, he's just saying that. Like, I think that's harsh criticism on him. And at the same time, if the HBCU community does feel a little misled, like, I think it's hard to say, well, they shouldn't feel misled. Dion did say, though, and and this is why I I don't think you can, whoever you are, I think it's hard to, to bash Dion because he's always been straightforward, like you said, JT. And he does a great job of giving the kids no B.S. He tells them straight up how it is. He did that when he went to Colorado, whether they wanted to hear that message or not.
2: He said, jump in that portal ASAP. He's
1: he's straight up with everyone. And he did that at Jackson State. When he left and addressed the team, he said in coaching, and and I think this, to me, this kind of sums up all of what I've said here, is that he said in coaching, you get elevated or you get terminated. And he just went 12-0, and had been there three years, What else could he have done in terms of his own professional career and for the school? I'm not sure. I don't know if if I can answer that. And I don't know if anyone can answer that. But I think that goes to show you why his reason for that jump. If you, in coaching, you get elevated or you get terminated. So he felt he had done what he needed to do to now take that next step. But that doesn't mean his step is done now. He's making that next step in hopes of what we talked about with the future of, of Black coaches, in particular, maybe the coaches at HBCUs that aren't getting looked, but now he can bring some of that spotlight to those coaches now that he's at the power, you know, now that he's at the power five. So he still feels like he can help the HBCU community with this move, as you know, as as we've kind of highlighted.
2: Yeah, and, I, and before we move on to the next one, I will say this to the HBCU community. HBCU community, I understand the frustration because like you got handed like a Maserati and then like they took it back, you know what I mean? Now now I don't have it anymore. But I will say this: I think the the outrage is misplaced. Like, why don't I hear anybody saying that you know all the all the wealthy black people in the country, like how, how much have you donated to these schools to help this athletic program? Like Dion came in and basically did it for free. Like, what have you contributed? Like, I feel like people should be looking at those like people that have the means to come in and financially support this. They're not, they're not getting on those people. And I want people to look at the schools themselves, you know, like, what are you going to do to help us get more Dion's in? Like Dion can't be responsible for the whole thing. Like Dion can't be the savior of all HBCUs. Like, the schools themselves got to be wanting to do this, like the 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 black people that have the means to support these athletic programs have to want to, you know, donate. So I want the HBCU community to place whatever rage they have at one man to these other these other areas that can actually help make some change. And that's just what I would say.
1: Lane, any anything else before we move on? I didn't know if you wanted to, to jump in there or not.
0: I think you both of you guys have nailed it right on the head, right? I feel like it's now basically this is hopefully just gonna shine a light on college football, not just at, at the power five level, but college football at its entirety, looking at all different levels, right? HBCUs, FBS, FCS. It's just gonna be a new opportunity for college football to truly grow. So
1: Yep. Let's let's hope. Let's hope. So on to another coach, my guy, Sean McVay.
0: You mean you mean Donnie McVeigh?
1: <laughs> wow. See, JT, I didn't even have to say, it. I didn't even have to say it. Blaine, hey, you look, welcome hey, you're look, welcome back. You're welcome back. Show you're look, welcome man. back on these the jokes, show anytime, Blaine. <laughs>
2: these jokes write themselves, man. Like that, that that was clear comedic genius. Cause I mean, you not anything like Sean McVeigh except for the hair. That you purposely tried to do that way for the show. So, all right. So He's
0: got no, his no. tax write-off hair gel in for Sean McVay. He's good. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, make sure you claim that for me, JT. So the defending Super Bowl champions, LA Rams, are now four and nine after a comeback um victory against the Raiders last week. However, their playoff hopes are fading. So, Blaine, let me start with you. Will Sean McVay retire at the end of this season? Actually, Blaine, yes or no? Just yes or no, and then you can answer the question. Just yes or no. Do you think this question is like a little bit too much drama? Like, is it unnecessary? Oh, yeah.
0: An unnecessary. Okay, question. great.
1: So that is what we call on this show, Blaine, a JT type of question. Over drama, like overreaction type of question. So that's what this is what we call JT type of question. So, Blaine, I'll ask it. I'll ask you again. Will Sean McVay retire at the end of this season? JT, you don't need to say anything. Go ahead. Go ahead, Blaine. The floor is No,
0: no. Sean McVay will not retire at the end of this season. I mean, I know there was all that speculation that he might hang it up after they won the Super Bowl, but I feel like when you're a mastermind. You can't really shut that off, like how Sean McVay is when it comes, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like that's something that you just can't put away, right? You can't just like go file it in the back of your brain and say, "All right, I can go do some regular stuff now outside of the workplace." Like that doesn't work like like that. Like I'm good now. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, that's I don't see that happening. Um, why? Why would he want to retire now? He's got Baker Mayfield. What do you mean? Like he just let Baker Mayfield do a comeback victory on two days? Like
2: if anything, Baker it's, all, would, it's all going up. Baker out would make here. me take out all all my, all my fidelity accounts that I have, and I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely heading toward retirement. Like I, I'm I'm not I'm not continuing my job because Baker Mayfield is there. Baker Mayfield is like that coworker that you don't trust but you can't be mean to him because you know it could be trouble. Like, I want to get out of that situation as soon as possible.
0: No, all right. no that's a, that's that's fair. I, I can't really blame you on that. The one thing that I will say about the Rams and McVeigh is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if McVeigh will potentially maybe hang it up with the Rams and then maybe look elsewhere just because the Rams are going to be in a rebuild for the next five years. So
2: basically he's LeBron James now.
0: With like, no basically. first round, okay. with no first round they, picks. A so rebuild. Yeah, through 20, through picks. what? I think it's what? Through 2027 20, that they don't have a first round pick? Yeah, 26, so, 27, something like that. Yeah, Bronny's gonna There's be no an all-star
2: way. in the NBA before they get a first round pick.
0: So <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't I don't think he's gonna I don't think he'll retire. I wouldn't be surprised though, maybe not next year, but a year after a year after that, potentially waste some options and hear hear some people out just because Stafford will be done. You don't he's know what the situation – yeah, Stafford's basically done. Um, you don't know what you're going to see with how you're going to be able to keep any of these pieces. Donald basically is playing with one foot out the door because he didn't really truly want to come back, it ever felt like. But because he's the the goat at his position, like he, didn't, he can do whatever he wants. So I wouldn't be surprised if Donald's gone sooner rather than later. You're not going to be able to keep Jalen Ramsey up uh, with that type of num- money that much longer. It's all going to go downhill. It's going to be a rebuild in L.A. JT.
2: Oh, you want me to answer this question?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you, you said it's with a JT a,
1: question. It's a JT type of question, see, buddy. See, I,
2: see I, don't, I don't know why you listen to this guy. First of all, every question is a JT question because this guy refuses to help at all with coming up for the topics of this show blaine so there's that's a the reason thing.
1: why jt's name is first on the show he has all the rights to it he has all the production creativity directives like all of that so what what do Are i you, have to say so you're he basically just basically says
2: read the script he tells me, me read the script
1: so he basically, says, basically i'm a
2: franchise script. quarterback i get too much credit and and too much blame is that what I, you're saying
1: i'm that running back that you throw on franchise tag year after year pretty much Nah, you're more like, like you're more like
2: show. a like a like a special teams gunner. Like wow. we keep oh, like C- you Like you, you, C- you do your job. You hey. do that one thing very well. Hey,
1: you got to be great in all three phases of the game. Don't forget that.
2: Not just the third though. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, I'm great in all three phases, especially number three. I'm the best at. Don't tell that to Joe
0: Judge. I mean, that's how he got the Giants job in the first place.
2: Ooh, we we're not talking about Joe Judge today. That is a conversation for another day. But. <laughs> Um, I know you guys are acting like, you know, this is like one big dramatization. Like, oh, you know, how can Sean McVay retire? Like, you know, he's on top of the world. I think where there's smoke, there's fire in this situation. And it's not just him. I think it's just the way that organization is built. Like, I think they were built to work so hard to get this one Super Bowl. And then once they did it, everybody's kind of thirst and hunger just changed. Like, you see it. Like, Aaron Donald, like you said, once throughout the door, he didn't even really want to play. Jalen ramsey got the bag i got a, got a super bowl ring my career is validated and the one thing about sean McVay that i think that people are overlooking is he's young and there's a big difference between old school generation new school generation like you see it in any entertainment and stuff like that whenever you have people that are famous that have success really really fast and they're young they burn out it's like a child actor like I made so much money. I did all this work. I had all this success. And now I just want to enjoy the fruits of my labor and have a normal life. Like lives in Southern California. He got a supermodel wife. Like he's still in good shape. You know what I mean? Like he still can live a really normal life. And now he's got all this, you know, financial security for the rest of his life. Like nobody's going to look back on Sean McVay's career and say, okay, like he wasn't a great coach. Like he was always hyped up as a genius this whole entire time in the league. He was always hyped up as one of the best coaches, and he won a Super Bowl, and the only other Super Bowl he didn't win was against Bill Belichick. So it's like, that is a story that I'm willing to hang up and be like, you know what? If I truly want to do other things, I can. And I think, like I said, I'll go back to it again. It's a generational thing. I don't think these younger guys want to stick around doing this forever. And you can see it with the players. Guys are retiring early now. We're like, a, a guy like Andrew Luck, even though he was beat up, he might have played another five, ten years. And the biggest example I can give is somebody like Andrew Luck compared to, let's say, Tom Brady. Like you see, the generation looking at, like Tom Brady is willing to leave his family. He's like, I don't want to see my children. I don't want to see my supermodel wife. Like I don't want to go to my a real mansion in Florida. I rather go back and play football with well, Sean McVay. Is like, give me my wife, give me the mansion, give me my money. I'm out of here. So I think it's a legit concern that he could walk away. Like.
1: There's probably not much
2: more he can accomplish that can change
1: people's minds of him. But the question is at the end of this. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. You're saying yes. I think he will. All right, I'll tell you why not. He has an extension through the 2026 season. And I know that can be broken. And it's, it's not like he can't go make money, a lot more money in the broadcast booth. But I don't think he would have signed that without the intent of at least getting closer to it. Right. He's still four seasons out from there. Like, I don't think he would do that to the Rams organization. That's one. Two, like Blaine said, yo, he loves it. He he can't just turn it off. And yeah, you might be right. You could you could argue and say, well, he could go one year to the booth and then back pick his squad. I don't know how true that is because the Rams would still have him. So someone's gonna have to, to they're gonna bury work Sanders, over. Basically, yeah. yeah, they're gonna have to give over a lot of draft picks. But this is the thing, the fact that he loves it and he goes from Super Bowl champion to now, what I say, four and nine, that that with competitive people, all right, and, and that's what you got to be when you're in the NFL like that, that's not sitting well, JT. It'd be different. They made the playoffs, lost in the divisional game. Hey, we just lost to a better team. For him to go out like this, it's not going to sit well with him. It, it really isn't. And, in fact, like they're not they, – they've been riddled with injuries. Because they've had three games they could have won, the Tampa game, they lost by four to Seattle, and I think they lost by seven to the Saints, which I think they had that game and blew it. You give them three more wins now, they're seven and six. They're a wild card, and the fact that you don't have Donald Stafford and Cup like this year, but you'll have them next year. That core is still there. He's I think because of that core, because of Donald especially, and then Ramsey, Cup, and Stafford, he's going to at least give it one more year. Because I think to him, he's like, hey, hey, fellas, I'm invested in you guys. I'm coming back because I can't let you guys down like that. And if you're all coming back, let's give it one more run and now after next year that might be different they go four and nine again next year now it might be like hey we just all need fresh starts but at the end of this season come on man that's a jt type of question
0: i would be you surprised donald's answering. donald might retire at the end of this year i wouldn't be surprised on that
1: but did he not did he not sign a, an extension at some point
2: yeah but i'm pretty uh, sure he uh, uh, the uh, guaranteed money like he can—they're not giving back a signing bonus
1: that's not necessarily true like they went after calvin johnson very yeah. same. like people have gone after signing was but it's not just that signing bonus jt it's kind of like donald is old school if he's got one more year left on there and his coach is coming back and his guys are coming back he's not going to want to let them down either and let's not be fooled like Coaches are different than players like Aaron Donald just can't stop in, can't just step out of the field and into the a booth of Fox or CBS and make Tony Romo money like play. Not all players can do that unless you're a coach or a quarterback.
2: All right. So moving on from the Rams, let's talk about a team that does not have to worry about whether people are going to retire next year. Philadelphia Eagles, and this is going to transition to a talk about NFL MVP. So the Eagles beat the shit out of the Titans, 35 to 10. And Jalen Hurts threw. Let me get my glasses. I'll read this correctly. Jalen Hurts threw for 380 yards and three touchdowns with another touchdown on the ground. So I don't like the way you phrase this question because this is not how I sent it to you. But we'll roll with it. What was your question? Your question didn't make sense. It did. If you had the place of bet on NFL MVP, are you taking Jalen Hurts or are you taking the rest of the field? Blaine, I'm going to go to you first
0: because this guy's irrational. I can't believe I'm saying it. I am taking Jalen Hurts, and tell us field. why.
2: Because they don't they don't know why that's so difficult for you. Why is that difficult yeah. for you to even say the word Jalen Hurts? Because he's like in the
0: well, because it's for me, I. There is a guy in Kansas City that just plays out of his goddamn mind. His oh, that's Patrick not where Mahomes. I thought you were
2: going with this. Tell the real truth why why Jalen Hurts, it pains you to say he's an MVP.
0: So oh yeah, he- I'm a I'm a crappy Washington fan. All right. This is just sickens. Hey, me big to game Sunday
1: night. Blaine, if you're in town, it's let's sick- go, man. Let's
0: go. Sunday night.
1: It it literally Fly sickens in. me. It, I know, you right? You got, you got a place to stay. Fly in, man. Are you we'll wearing a
2: cold street to game. that game? Because he'll go.
1: <laughs> if if you
0: buy me an Andrew Luck jersey I'll wear it to the game. No,
2: nah, no, no. We're going to nah. we're going to buy you a Matt Ryan jersey. I mean, I'm pretty nah, sure. No, 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 no.
0: It's a, it's going to be a we'll both show up in Carson Wentz jerseys for the one in the Colts and one, the one in the Colts. In the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. like it. I
1: like
2: see, it. that. That's that's see, now you guys got to do. It. It's cute. You guys already got your little routine. But 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 you're taking God, I hate Carson Wentz. So you're taking <laughs> hurts, right? Not the field.
0: Correct. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. The man is playing absolutely out of his mind at the moment. And I feel like these last couple of weeks, he started to separate himself from the field, right? You felt like for a little while, Patrick Mahomes and him, it could have been 1A, 1B. Two O was in that conversation for a little while, but Tua's has really struggled these last couple of weeks. And it wasn't what Jalen did to Tennessee. It's like how he followed it up and absolutely murdered the New York Giants this past weekend as well right like and he's one of the only quarterback he's got 10 rushing touchdowns already on the year he's going to be on pace for a thousand yards on the ground like the man's playing out of his mind like and the one thing that hurt it well actually that was a pun intended was it hurts and hurts that hurts hurts is that um is that like he has to play so out of his mind just for him to get that recognition, right? Because it all goes back to the same old faces usually. And this year, it's not that. Like when Lamar won it a couple of years ago, it was like the Lamar had to be absolutely ridiculous just and, to win that MVP.
2: And I feel like that's the answer to your question. Really, what's hurting Jalen Hurts MVP talks is Lamar Jackson, because people feel like We've seen this before from this type of quarterback. And yep. even when they win MVPs, we don't believe in them as being – it's a one-off. So I think yep. that's what people are thinking of. Jalen Hurts is like, this is just a Lamar Jackson MVP thing all over again. Like, I don't know if I want to reward that because I already thought that wasn't validated. And I think that's not fair.
0: No, I, I, I agree. I think that that's a great thing to point out, JT, is that I think this is literally the Baltimore situation with Lamar and when he won MVP, because let's be honest, like Aaron Rodgers, they're having such a bad year. Tom Brady, bad year. So they're already taking themselves out of the conversation. So where does everybody draw to?
2: And we can't who's go to
0: Josh re-
1: Allen.
0: Yeah, like, Josh yeah. Allen hasn't had a good year either. And he was the front runner, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And so who does he get drawn to now? It goes to Patrick Mahomes. They just try and check off the boxes of who's got that big name, who should be validated in that retrospect. So, but Jalen Hurts, I'm taking Jalen Hurts. So
2: now it's funny that you, wait, why are
0: you going? You asked the question.
2: No, cause I want to, I want to ask you something. Ask Blaine or me? I want to ask you this question. So I,
0: see, I he want- already, if he trusts my take, he's trying to question yours right now. No, already? Yeah. he doesn't
1: even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> cause I, I feel I mean? like, I feel like so he, I got to deal with
2: it. I like what he I like what he did here a little bit because I feel like he's trying to turn this into a betting conversation. Slowly and surely, he's trying to get like betting content into this show. And it it's is like, not
0: that's the way do. it's always asked. Is, is it? What's what, what, what? How much? How much are we putting in? How much is? What are the odds for Jalen Hurts to win right now? I don't know. He got
2: you, he's he's got a group group chat with a bunch of like no, finance bro, pros and $18 Mahomes, billion dollar bets.
1: I believe I believe Mahomes, Mahomes is, is my, front is, runner.
2: My, the, no, no, it's hurts hurts is front is runner. Minus front front liner, is that what Mahomes is plus two hundred. Yeah, what's Mahomes? Plus 200 plus 200 And Hertz what's is Hertz? minus 140. Oh, so Hertz oh, is the
1: leader. Yeah, he's Big the lead. leader. No, now. so so so
2: go ahead and answer your question and then I'll wrap it with my bigger question
1: and then I'll answer it. So listen, Blaine, and JT knows this. I I love Mahomes. If if I'm picking a quarterback without knowing who else is on my team, right? Like I you got to pick QB first, and then you get to fill out the rest of the roster. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over everyone else right now. Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, uh, you you name it. It doesn't matter. I'm taking Mahomes and I'll figure out the rest of the team and we're going to be okay because we got Patrick Mahomes. With that said, though, if we're looking at MVP and not only placing a bet on who we think the voters are going to vote on, but also who I think should win this award, unlike JT, I'm able to put my emotions and personal bias aside for this or on questions. And I'm going, Jalen Hurts, because he's got the best record. That's one thing, right? We want winners. He's got it. All right. Yes, he's 10th in passing yards, but you've got to add 686 rushing yards, in my opinion, because it shouldn't just be passing yards. It should be total amount of yards. So now you have to add that, add that. And when you do that, he's like second behind only Mahomes. But then, Fourth best completion percentage. He's thrown 22 touchdowns, all right? And I think it's only like three interceptions, whereas Mahomes thrown 33 touchdowns, but he's thrown 11 interceptions. Now, this is where Jalen makes up for the touchdowns. He has 10 rushing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns. He has 32 total touchdowns, all right? He's your goal
2: linebacker, essentially.
1: But he still has right. But he still has 686 rushing yards. Like to me, when you put all of that together, and he wins, and he's a good leader, and teammates like him, and he distributes the ball. Like at the end of the day, and he plays in the NFC East. Damn! How many at, ends do you have at the did? end of? Are you picking him? Because or not? I'm waiting for your question. Because at the end of the day, it hurts. Yes, I told you already.
2: And he plays in Philly, and he and he has a number one jersey. it. Yeah, like, damn, how many add ons
1: do you want to? get? And he has a number fans? one jersey. Good point. Oh He's already gosh, telling you what Jesus. it is. Damn, it's,
2: it's Jalen Hurts. Cool. So here, so before I answer this question, I legit, I legitimately want to know this from you. Is this who I think will win, or my best chance to make some money in Vegas? Because uh, we already gave the odds. Jalen Hurts is is top at minus one forty. Well, that's both. Mahomes is plus two hundred. Now, now here is the thing. Here is the thing. I, if if I'm picking just based on like I think who will win, I think it's Jalen Hurst just because it's he's having the best season. He has the best team. He's the best quarterback on the most dominant team in the NFL. And that is historically who will get the MVP. Now, with that being said, I feel like I feel like NFL voters and NFL media, and to a an certain extent the players, Michael Parsons. Yeah, is one of those people. (laughs) I feel like people are gonna find every way to not give Jalen Hurts this MVP because they're gonna find an excuse. The team is too good, it's not really him, they're not really playing anybody system, blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? So, because if Tom Brady was doing this with the exact same team, it would be a runaway freight train. Right. Like, like if it was Aaron Rodgers, like they have his ass cheeks on TV, kissing them every day. If I'm doing it based on money, I looked at this list and because of the Jalen Hurts hate. You know who I would put my money on to win the MVP? Joe
1: Burrow.
2: Nah, he's sitting all the way down there at plus fifteen thousand. It's your boy Justin Jefferson because in a year where there are no quarterbacks that I feel like should get this award, uh, like like overwhelmingly. Whoa, whoa, whoa no, whoa. let me let me See, finish. That's the
1: problem. Mahomes, let me
2: finish Over, it's, overwhelmingly it's, though, overwhelmingly because like let's let's doesn't, be, let's it, be doesn't honest. Need to if, be overwhelming. Let's be honest. If Josh Allen were playing or or his team was as successful as Jalen Hurts, like this wouldn't even be close. Like they would give it to him. Like I you have to convince me that the NFL didn't have Josh Allen's name already on the MVP trophy before the season started. I just feel like this is one of those years where Jalen Hurts should get it hands down, maybe Mahomes but it should be Hurts. They're going to try to find some way to give this to a non-quarterback just because of who it is. And if I had to bet money, They couldn't even give
0: it to Cooper Cup last year, and he won the Triple Crown. But
2: last year, the quarterback play play was above that. Like, the quarterback play was good. Aaron Rodgers was playing out of his mind. Quarterback trumps position player every time. I just feel like there's no quarterback besides Jalen Hurst that is playing outrageously good this year. And the skill position players are. i bet the money on Justin Jefferson, and I'd bet on some BS that people don't want to give Hurst
0: the MVP. And I walk away with a boatload of money from Vegas. That's just my that's my point.
1: The only no one's Jeffers- gonna give
0: Minnesota the credit because Minnesota is a wash of a team right now. Exactly.
1: Exactly, Blaine. I was gonna say, JT, for that to happen, Vikings would need to run the table. Look really convincing. You
2: Eagles have would have said to for fall last month. This is the best team in football. Are you changing that? Because this is going off with the information you gave. Listen, me. That, you said the Vikings are the
0: best team in football.
1: That oh, question didn't did they that. not didn't, beat the Bills in Buffalo? Did they oh, not beat Lord, the Bills in get Boston? Don't started
0: on this conversation with how Minnesota beat Buffalo. I'm sorry. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole. That he wasn't
2: does, the question. He, he has said multiple times. Learn how to Minnesota bat a pass.
0: Defensive, secondary, have you guys not learned hey, how to bat a pass? A Blaine, like, a Blaine, that's all I have to
1: you, say. Hey, Blaine, the, the Broncos fans are still saying that to their safety in 2013. But you know who has that Lombardi trophy? The Baltimore Ravens. So I don't care. Should have, would have, could have. Minnesota won that game. On the road against the one two seed of the AFC. All I'm saying, but that's not the question. Blaine's like biting his tongue, right? He's like, I'm never coming back on this show. Because I don't think people
2: (laughs) realize how ridiculous you are until they see you in person. But what's the next, what's the next question? Go on. Perfect transition. Move on.
1: JT kind of brought this up. Had they had a miserable performance last Sunday at san francisco losing 35 to 7 and i don't even think it was that close brady throwing two interceptions so blaine is tom brady done or is he just done with tampa bay
0: i think he's done done in general I think it Ooh. I think he I think he That's a hot
1: take, JT. Get the clip, put it on IG later. That's the <laughs> hot take of the show.
0: Tom Brady is done, done. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I never really thought that he was gonna get the opportunity of giving it another go after this year in the first place. I know everyone's like, Oh, he's coming to the Bay Area, he's gonna bring the Niners a championship because all they need is a quarterback. I don't even think that's the actual case. I mean, like you got Brock Purdy, we trust, baby. I think that's the one thing that Shanahan is all about is that like I JT, you can go out there and be quarterback for the 49ers and throw for 225 a tutty, and Oh, and I, know win I, some games. I know I can I know
1: I can't. I got I got the arm to do it. I can do that. <laughs> I don't I mean, know, Blaine. I saw him six years ago. He was already starting to lose some of that velocity, JT. Was, so I don't know. That was You dropping passes does not mean I'm losing velocity. Look, Blaine, JT can't even say that with a straight face because I may not be fast. I may not be tall. I may not be able to jump. But you know one thing I do have, Blaine? I've got hands. You, I can, got you hands? can
2: catch, you can catch I can a five-yard slant like nobody's business. Hey, I'll give you that. Hey, that's, I'd, I'd never
0: drop that or a five-yard or a three-step out. How much glue were you using? None. <laughs> Whatever that <laughs> shit is. <You laughs> wearing gloves. I wasn't <laughs> the even hair <laughs> the hair gel. The hair gel.
2: He was. He was like hot hands hanging from oh, the times. It was. That oh bad.
0: my gosh, that's awesome.
2: So, but you, but you think Brady is is just finished, right? He's washed.
0: Yeah, he, I think he's finished. I think he's lost. He's he came back and was like, "All right, I'm gonna give it one last shot." I think this team really has the potential of bringing home a championship. This is gonna be my last ride. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna then retire. This will be that. But then, like he can't, the team can't protect him. I mean, I think, and you see, I think you're starting to see his arm velocity go down a little bit, and you're not seeing that at full capability. You're seeing him and Mike Evans; they they almost seem like that they don't know each other anymore. Basically, like, like that's how much their camaraderie's off. So I think, and they're the Tampa Bay slow. They're tired. They don't look like that. They're able to compete with any of these top teams, but now after. I think Tom's just going to have to hang it up. I think he's gotten into a full reflection mode these last couple weeks now after them winning a couple games, looking like, all right, maybe we can write the ship. And then, like, you got a full beat down this last weekend in the Bay Area. Like, do you really want to deal with that again now and move over to San Francisco just to go through with that? I think it's going to be a wrap.
2: JT? God, man this, i hate doing this to guess but man how, how can you be so wrong i'm gonna quote
0: okay okay gonna, the I'm man said he's gonna play till his 45 and that i'm was gonna it.
2: quote i'm gonna quote one of tom brady's current teammates because i don't know what games you watching but in the words of devin white they said before tom brady came here tom brady couldn't throw that ball and i seen him throw that ball they lied on tom brady brady's still throwing it he's still slinging it let's not get it twisted I think that it's more that he's done with Tampa Bay, and I'll tell you why. Bruce Arians. When Bruce Arians was the coach, it's obvious they hated each other. They didn't get along. Now, Bruce Arians removes himself from the head coaching position, but guess what? He's still there, but now he's upstairs, and I'm pretty sure that's even more annoying. And here's the unique thing with Tom Brady, why I think he's done with Tampa Bay. You're right. It's not working out for him this year. For whatever, a my rate of issues, offensive line is banged up. Uh, the receivers have been hurt. It's just, you know, they're having a down year. But here's what I think is the most annoying thing to Tom Brady. He he got into a fight with Bruce Arians. Public took Tom Brady's side. It was like, all right, how could you argue with Brady? Arians leaves. Now he's struggling. Tom Brady has to fight off this narrative that maybe you can't do it without good coaches. Because, I'm sorry, Bruce Arians, Super Bowl caliber coach. Bill Belichick, super caliber coach. Tom Brady has had one year without a really good coach, and he has struggled. As a matter of fact, they're basically turning the offense over to Tom Brady, and we see what that looks like. Maybe you don't know everything. So I think that's why he's done with Tampa Bay is because it's damaging his brand. Like, they are bad, and they are bad because it's all on Tom Brady. Everybody that's there is somebody that you wanted. Every play that we're running is the type of plays that you wanted, And you argue with Bruce Arians that you wanted to run these plays instead of the ones he did. So this all on Tom Brady and what's the best way to get over that, get the hell out of Dodge. And I do, <laughs> I do not think he's done because if you put Tom Brady on a lot of these teams, we're talking about them going to the Super Bowl, He's still playing like a top 10 quarterback, but I just think it's the unique situation in Tampa Bay that has him done. And Bruce Arians, not being the coach of Tom Brady, feeling is at the center of this whole thing of why he wants to leave.
0: Where's he going then? That's the next. Where would question. he go? Well, I know it's question. the next question. I am going off script. So, no. Do but, no, but you, you,
2: you, you want me to just jump, jump to that and just? Well, so because I Whoa, on, I, I pretty hold much said this.
0: that he's not going. Hold he's done. So he, I don't have a team to, for that next hold question. On. Hold on <laughs> a second.
1: I got to agree with JT here, Blaine. Sorry to do this to you, man. I hate agreeing with JT, but he. He is done with Tampa. You can see it in his face. Tom Brady, until he actually retires and spends more than two years away from the game, I'm never going to believe he's done. History has shown us he's not stopping at the end of this year. Now, that look on his face was him planning his exit, right? He's sick of the coaching changes, and he's sick of Arians. The injuries to the O-line – made it rough for him, injuries to the receivers, injuries to Fournette and the running backs. I think even losing A.B. in the whole A.B. situation, the defense is struggling a little bit. Does it look like a Super Bowl-caliber defense? Tom Brady cannot waste a game, a practice, let alone a whole season anymore. So he's got to plan his exit, and he's like, I'm done with Tampa. He's a smart dude. He knows everything he does in life is strategic. He knows that it's done in Tampa. He's not gonna win a Super Bowl this year. He's not gonna win next year. He's not gonna win the year after that. So why is he gonna stick around? But he's not done with football. JT said it like earlier in the show like he put his family to the side for football. So you think that was just for one more season, Blaine? And he he put he
2: put it's not just like a regular family. He put his supermodel wife and family to the side in a state with no state income tax. Like, there's not, there's, there's 99.9 percent of men on this planet could not turn that situation down to run back on the field to get my ass kicked by that behind that badass offensive line. <laughs> and and, he, and here's the other thing, um, Don, you brought up a good point that got me thinking. I think another another reason why Wait, Brady, say that again, say that again. you brought up a good point that got me thinking. I think another Perfect. reason that Brady is done is. You forget before Brady got there this was the same team that was there like they were not winners. I think what has happened is they won one Super Bowl and they are satisfied and that's not how Brady operates. And you can see it's like, well we won a Super Bowl already, like I don't really have to die for that pass. I don't really have to put that extra oomph on that pass rush. I don't have to hold that block as long. It's a culture thing and it's like they followed Brady until Brady got him to the promised land, but he can't make them go any further. And I think that's where they're him coming. He, can't he can't keep them there. He can't keep there. It's
1: tough to maintain that stuff. And that's why I think he may not have always agreed with them. Belichick, but he respected Belichick. Sometimes, Belichick and him think the same way with that.
2: Sometimes it's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't. And I'm telling you, he <laughs> – it's hard. He ain't Peyton Manning. Huh? Peyton Manning could do it without a coach. Tom Brady is showing he can't.
1: All right, so JT, so since Blaine, you, you can always answer this to Blaine if you want. If you want to defer, that's fine. Too, because 49ers. Based, based on your, your first answer. But so JT, I'll start with you then. Obviously, you're saying he's going to play next year, but the question then is where? Oh, this is an easy answer to this question. So easy. Hope you don't steal my answer.
2: So I feel easy. Like you did. The answer to where Tom Brady will play next year is, Wherever the hell Sean Payton ends up, because they tried to do this already. Sean Payton's on Colin Cowher's show every day. Wait, 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 JT. I'm
0: gonna hold you. Literally, just said that he's gonna go. He doesn't want to go to a place with a good coach.
2: No, that's not what I said. I said he he can't he prove that he can't win play? without a good coach. He needs oh, the so good he coach. Has... He needs the good coach, and that's why I'm saying wherever Sean Payton goes, that's where Brady's gonna end up. Because Sean Payton's doing this tour on uh, FS1 every day acting like he's Tony Romo. And guess what? They tried this before, before he went to Tampa because they were supposed to go to the Dolphins together. Come on, man. Like Sean Payton is one of those coaches that fits with Brady very well. Like they run, they have a similar philosophy on how the office should be run. And that is what I think is going to happen. He's going to come out of retirement. There's going to be some good places that open up. Payton's going to get the job and Brady's going to go wherever that guy lands
1: so jt i think obviously he's playing next year and there's there's a few teams that could be out there right the raiders not really the 49ers but maybe the, going back to the patriots but this is the team if i had to say today right now blaine that he would play for next year it's the tennessee titans knows the coach same mentality oh.
0: You and the AFC let South
1: Let him explain
2: this because I want to. I want to get this whole clip online. Go Let's ahead. go. Tell him why because
1: this is genius. Are you ready? Right, you got Mike Vrabel. They've worked together before. Same mentality, Belichick sort of way. Tannehill, they can move. See, that's the other thing. You guys just want to throw out names, JT. Like he's going to go where Sean Payton goes. We don't even know if Sean Payton's going to play or coach anywhere. I mean. And then you've got to worry about what team he goes to, because then can they move the quarterback? Tannehill, he's going to be on basically the last big year of his contract. So if if the Rams could move Jared Goff, I'm pretty sure the Titans could move Tannehill to make room for Tom Brady. Tom Brady has a running game with Derrick Henry then. It's going to be run-oriented, which is going to open up the pass because he's great at play action. The line's established. You've got young targets, and I think that's what he wants. Going back to what you said, you brought up a good point, JT, that guys need to be hungry, and that young receiving core will be hungry. And Vrabel's a defensive guy, and guess what? Just like when he went to the NFC South, the AFC South, one of the weaker divisions in the – well, definitely the weakest division in the AFC, maybe in all of football. And again, Tom Brady's strategic. He knows that's going to get me in the playoffs. It's going to save my body because we're going to use Derrick Henry and we'll go play action. And that's where I can use my arm because supposedly you're saying he still has it. Tennessee Titans put that
2: down. You made Tom Brady sound like an even bigger asshole than we think he is. It's like, let me go where I can use somebody else's body to save mine.
1: Listen, Brable does that anyway. Does do they not? The poor guy. He's run they run Derrick Henry into the line all the time.
2: Poor Derrick Henry. Blaine. All right. So when we know he's not going to the 49ers where you got him landing, or you, you got him landing at Shady Acres. He's going to Shady
0: Acres. The man's the man's not playing playing next wow. year. Talk I, about
1: I, disrespecting somebody.
0: Wow. The one the one thing is that uh to say on your guys is both of your takes. I know JT, you might as well go all in with your conspiracy theory with McVeigh retiring because then they'll both end up with the Rams. You might as well just go all in with that, you know, with – for that I'm, and then don like you've got a real vendetta with the afc south like i don't know what it is like he's
2: a he, he, take,
0: take. like you're hitting the Jaguars from team, to team. he's like well the,
2: well, the Col- <laughs> well, the Col- well the Colts don't have it going on anymore let me go to the, <laughs> who, the who the baller is now you, Titans, know, right? I,
0: you know really, like, he'll end up in houston now because of your of your of your hatred towards the afc south
2: you, know, you but you know what's crazy though—the <laughs> reason, the real reason I don't see Brady hanging it up is one, like he just doesn't look done. This isn't Peyton Manning, where like Peyton Manning looked done, like for real. Right. Like anytime you got to put in Brock Osweiler, like you know, like all right, them retirement checks need to start going out. But I don't think Brady's physically done. And also, do you know how? Speaking of egos, do you know how hurt his ego would be? To get a divorce just to go back home alone, to be like, you know what? My wife was right. I should have hung it up. Yeah, like like five
1: months later, he's not
2: not gonna let that slide. Like (laughs) she basically was like, I'm leaving you because you can't leave football. He went back, had a shitty year, and he's just gonna ride off into the sunset to sit home alone and be like, This woman was right. Shit, I should have listened to her. No, Tom Brady's not going out like that. He's he's gonna go somewhere strategic, like Don said, he's gonna come back with a vengeance. He's going to find some division where he can beat up on those three teams twice a year,
1: and he going to ride it to the playoffs. So, you guys good? Any, any last words there, Blaine, on Tom Brady?
0: Well, all I know is that I'm probably going to be eating my words with the clip in six months probably yep. so, yep. so have you queued
1: up. don't worry if you want to come on the show and, and you want to start, start talking smack that's what's going to end up that's, happening that, if no you, out, you know and, and just kept the low key then we would have been all good we would not have done that to you i you can't know, wait for the
0: receipts i can't wait, I, can't wait. It's all
1: man, I got it signed <laughs> signed signed re-signed by you
2: I, we apologize though, because you know what? I feel like we have not done a good job of like false, fostering the culture on this show. We can't have people coming on afraid to say what they truly feel because you're like, you know what? That shit's <laughs> going to end up all lot if people <laughs> talk about it. So, look, man, to hey, blame, all the accountability, up, all, 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 all our guests. Say, say what you got to say with your chest yeah. hey, and man, F I got the haters that. in the comments. I, I'm never
0: not going to have the energy. The comments, uh, give me, send me them comments. DM, you know where to DM <laughs> the final whistle at. You know where it's at.
2: Oh, they will. We will tag you on everything that goes out. <laughs> Don't worry about that. But um, uh, let's switch gears to uh, something a little bit more serious. Uh, of course, there's no way we can do this show without talking about probably the biggest story last week, which is the release of Brittany Griner back safely to the u.s uh there was a prisoner swap with the russia and u.s uh we released the arms dealer uh victor vood now what i want from you guys is thoughts and reactions just general thoughts and reactions on when you found out that Brittany grinder was gonna actually be released like you know what were your thoughts you know um do you have any questions or anything like that like what was going through your mind at that moment blaine i want to start with you
0: you got it um First thing with the whole Brittany Griner situation is hap- I was happy for her, happy that she was able to get that opportunity to be able to um, finally get returned home. And the one thing that I've kind of come through in this situation is like I did my due diligence on that Russian arms dealer that was traded. I mean, back that like, Yes, we we this was a situation that I know that we were trying to get two Americans home. Uh, I don't like. I I'm totally am forgetting the person's name right now, and I'm I apologize Whalen. for that. Yeah, Whalen, thank you. And, but it was either going to be Brittany Griner or nothing, right? At that point, so you're going to get you get an American home safe back on American soil. Like you can't not say no to that situation. I mean if russia definitely ends up if you're looking at this at like a larger scale type of deal right like if you're looking at this from a world perspective or even a political perspective you're everyone's probably looking at the u.s a little bit sideways in that retrospect right but i am just relieved that she's home she's safe and you got to give kudos to all of the premier athletes that have been in her corner that have gone to bat for her to make sure that she was able to get returned safely. So that was my couple of thoughts and reactions on in this uh, situation. Don, how about you?
1: Yeah, I was, the initial reaction was, was happy for her and her family. Cause I can't imagine, you know, at all what she went through, but then also her family, right. Cause you know, there wasn't much that they could do um so for what they had to go through i mean i can't imagine it so was was happy that she could come back and i think anytime an american citizen that was wrongfully detained anywhere i think especially in russia comes back home is able to come back home i I think it's it's a celebration um i do think that she was a political pawn you know by russia um and so it was in that in that swap because you're going to hear a lot of things where like, you know, couldn't they have also included Whalen in it or, you know, it wasn't worth who they had to give up for her. Like, listen, it, it was either, you know, her or or nothing. Right. They were Russia pretty much stood still with they weren't giving um they weren't returning Whalen. Right. He was not going to be part of it. And anytime, like I said, you can get an American citizen back that was wrongfully detained. Like, I think you got to do it, and, it, and it's it, and it should be a happy moment in a, in a celebration that she could come back. And I think the Biden administration held out, you know, as long as they could to also include Whalen. But again, Russia was not going to give on that. So at that point, what do you do? Say no deal, or at least get Brittany Griner back. And I, I, I thought that that was the right move in, in bringing Brittany Griner back. And I do want to also feel like, you know, us as Americans got to defend America a little bit here in that he still, meaning Victor Boot, still served 16 of the 25 years. Now, yes, would it have been great for him to spend another nine? Sure, he gets older, maybe less connections and doesn't go back to Russia with the same fanfare maybe in nine years maybe considering all the circumstances but he still spent 16 of the 25 years in an American prison and then on top of that tell me who else in the world and I was reading an article on this like has the UN done anything prior to this in terms of the Victor Boots stuff so like it shouldn't all fall on the U.S. here, right? They did what they felt they had to do to bring back an American citizen, right? And why does it all fall on the U.S. in terms of we did bring them to the justice, and I think the way they got him, they had, like, two undercover guys making a deal with him, and that's when they arrested him when he was on the proper soil. But, like, did the U.N. try to do anything? Did any other country try to stop this guy? Like, from my understanding is the US did the most. And so at some point, it's like, well, we could bring back an American citizen, which they did. So that was my initial reaction. And then reading into it a little bit was kind of my other side of it was got to defend America a little bit here, because it's not an easy decision. Like you think that's an easy decision to do? It's not like, you, you know, she was a political pawn by Russia. And now, you know, she's caught in the middle. But at the same time, like, it's a serious situation in terms of negotiating a release. So I, I think we shouldn't forget about that either, that it, this was a tough situation on a lot of people too. Obviously the, the most difficult was on Brittany, but it was not an easy decision for the people that had to negotiate and had to, to make that final decision.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys. I it was, I was just happy that she was able to come home safely. And it just shows you, you know, when you have so many people that love and care about you and will fight for you until the absolute end, you know, great things like this to, can happen. Her her wife fought every day that she was over there to get her back. Her teammates, the league, you know, I felt like every time I turned on TV, you know, uh, commentators, you know, that that knew her or played with her, you know, were taking their time out of their job to say, like, hey, like, this is important. We're not going to let this fade to the background bring her back and we're not going to stop until she does come back. Like, and it was great to see. It just shows you, you know, what people can learn from the WNBA community. It's like compassion. Really. If you care about somebody showing that, you know, I really care about that person, but I was happy to have her home. And then like my other thoughts were, is like, this is a great teaching moment and a great self-reflection moment. One teaching point of, I think that this exposed that people really don't understand, you know, international politics trading of prisoners diplomacy and things like that you brought up the u.n which was a great point but i feel like people don't understand like you said it was either one or none you obviously have to take the one because if you take none then it's going to be an even bigger issue but there's reasons why they wanted victor boot back i mean he had connections like involving Ukraine Russia's in the conflict of Ukraine so it makes sense why they would signal hey like if you want this political pawn and Brittany Griner back you have to give us something we want so I understood that and I understand why they probably did not want to get give back Wayland like he's got some documented things that I won't really get into um but they thought he was a spy so it makes sense why they were like we're not going to be as reluctant to give up somebody that we think may be doing x y and z so I thought this was a great learning point for people to understand how international politics work because I don't think a lot of people do. And the other thing is, I thought it was a reality check to how we as Americans feel about certain things. You know, it was uh, a mirror up to our how how we how we deal with things. You know, I felt like Brittany Grinder was like the perfect storm of things that people might find controversial. She's a woman. She's black. She's part of the LGBTQ community she got caught breaking a crime, but the punishment really didn't fit the crime. I know it wasn't in our country, but I think anybody can agree. Like if they were in that situation, they don't think they should spend, you know, nine, 10 years in the harshest prison in that country. So I think it, it was disappointing for me, of uh, like the overall lack of compassion on something that was, should have been pretty easy for us to get behind altogether. So I feel like we got a lot of work to do. That was very, very disheartening to me. And, um, I think ultimately the right thing happened. She came back home and I hope that now people will have conversations and, you know, they need to have discussions about these things. You know, we need to learn more about traveling abroad, what to do and what not to do. We need to have conversations on, you know, why some people felt like she shouldn't have come home, you know. So um, I hope that people continue to have those conversations and I hope that, you know, we can at least agree that. We are Americans, and when it comes to Americans being in trouble, we can all be on the same page and show the
0: same level of compassion. I think it also showcases how people are so oblivious to some of those nuances, right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not the most political, like, following person in the world, right? But, like, when you see stuff like that, that's something that you should try and understand and grasp and look at every perspective. It shouldn't just be in your that one mindset that you have that keeps you so narrow-minded you need to be able to keep, look at everything at all uh global angles yeah and
2: also also a great point but like put yourself in britney Griner's shoes like oh yeah I know, I know plenty of people that have gotten on planes in in america they've either you know they have edibles they've taken edibles like you know like you you put you put maybe something in your vape pen that's not vape and it's like that could have been anybody. Like anybody could have done that and and made that mistake. You know what I mean? So I just want people to be like, like he, like like don't throw stones like living in glass houses toward the situation. Like have compassion. Like this could have happened to anybody. Punishment doesn't fit the crime. And let's just do better. Like at the end of the day, she's an American. Like you should be happy that she's home safely with her family.
1: Yep, yep. So let's go on to the last segment. Let's see if you can explain
2: this because I explained it to him perfectly off air. But I want to give you an opportunity to explain this because we're partners on this show. And, you
1: know, we, we doesn't feel like with each it. other. Those this, like this is it. one of the things you struggle with. Doesn't I want to like see you improve. You know, Blaine, <laughs> I know you're a listener of the show. So if you go back to like the last four times we've done this, each time he has said, that's the best explanation you've ever I said given that, on the show. The last four times. The last <laughs> four times. One time. Like I don't addressed. know what else I could do, one but that's all right. Hey, addressed. expect you know perfectionism from me. Expect greatness. That's that's all I ask for. Like I, you know, that's what I ask out of myself. So hey, All right. so show me what you've learned. Go ahead. Keep that bar high. So one of our newest segments, hot or not. So Blaine, the way we play, as JT already knows. We'll read a statement, not a question, JT, or this or that, a statement, all right? And if you agree with it, it's a hot take, meaning it's good, you agree. If you don't agree and you think it's garbage, it's not so hot you agree not you disagree and it's garbage you so see this hot is this or' is, not
2: this is good partnership see I put the I put the fire to his feet and he performed see there you
1: go <laughs> awesome hey what rg3 say pressure makes diamonds or bust pipes
2: well, you was making zirconiums for a minute
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's neither that is neither you want to say moisonite uh, I mean it's still neither I, I made diamonds uh, I didn't burst. I mean, no anyway, either, bro. I'll go first here. All right, Blaine. Luka Doncic and prime James Harden are the same player.
0: That's a not take. That's a not take because I see Luka and prime James is a completely different style of players in that, in that regard, based off of how Luka, I know their style, like pick and pop, but that's the entire NBA game the one thing that I will say that's different is that I think personally, I think Luca's is a better passer. Um, and then secondly, I think that Luca has a little bit is more willing to share the ball than what James Harden used to do in his prime. So. JT, Man,
2: uh, he, he messed it up my whole way. I wanted to answer this question. 100%. This is a hot take. And, they couldn't be more similar. Let's start with the usage. I think, what, Lucas averaging, what, 35% usage, and James Harden was, what, like, around 33% in Houston.
1: You they finally both, did research for the show. They both, Blaine, you got to come on more
2: often. He never does research. Hey, look, I he got ready I know. Ready for I, know. I know what I know. But they both have oh, led the league in usage the entire time they've been there. Both have been criticized for being out of shape. Neither plays defense. Neither of them is an the elite athlete, but they are elite scorers. So they are very similar. The only difference between these two are James Harden had to play the Warriors at the peak of their dynasty, where Luka is getting them on the back and he's getting the client version of them. So I think they are the same player. The only thing is I want Luka to get the same smoke if he doesn't win a championship that everybody gave to James Harden because there's no difference in this situation. Teammates have not worked next to Luka. Even KP came out and said I wasn't the right fit. There is no right fit for a guy that don't pass the ball until the end of the shot clock. And that's the same thing that happened to James Harden in Houston CP 3 was like, Oh, he's going to be using the ball that much. I got to get the hell up out of here. So they are exactly the same player. It's just how we view them. One's getting criticism. One's not.
1: Well, it is a hot take. I mean, you look at their numbers too. Very similar. They dominate the ball. It gets to them like they dominate the ball, but JT You always seem to do this. You always want to start to be like, oh, if the media doesn't start to harp on this guy compared to that guy, like, it's baloney. Like, yo, luca has been in this four years. Like, give him at least eight years until you start saying that he can't win a title and, and he should get the same smoke as James Harden. Like... Come on now, relax, man. You always want guys that take smoke. He's a rookie. Halfway through his rookie year, give him smoke but, because but real quick, he's quick, scoring real, 20 a game. Like, real relax, quick man.
2: though, Real quick, though, before we go on to the next question, let's be honest. The smoke that James Harden got, majority of it wasn't because he didn't win a championship. It was because of the way he played. And people thought he couldn't win. And that's exactly what Luka is doing. Luka is doing but, the exact same thing. But James do Harden you
1: did. see – that's true. But there's still differences within the player. Like, do you I'm see – I'm not saying they're clones, see, but – but this is but this is to answer your question of why he's not getting smoke like do you see him just playing olé defense and like there there is a little bit of difference there Luka of, why, of why of why Luca Yeah but Harden made it obvious he didn't want to play defense. So Well, uh, agree agree or disagree. Go, go ahead with the second one.
2: All right, the ACC is the worst Power 5 football conference. Hot take or not. Blame.
0: Oh, that's a hot take, because the team that technically won the ACC isn't even in their bloody conference, and that was Notre Dame. Notre Dame went into North Carolina, beat them. Notre Dame hosted Clemson, beat them. Notre Dame beat the two teams. They're essentially
1: <laughs> ACC. You can, you can include them uh, in there. No, no, no. They're like a cousin of the ACC. They're a cousin <laughs> First of <these>. cousin.
0: <laughs> but honestly, the ACC is awful. They... They have, they don't really play anybody. They can't stop anybody. They're honestly turning into what the big 12 used to be with all the shootouts. Um, and they don't, every team can beat anybody big 12 had a playoff team. SEC has a playoff team, big 10 Pac 12 now is even in the conversation and you would th- think they would have been the Pac 12. That would be the worst conference. And the Pac-12 had a great year this year, so really good. I don't think really it's good. I don't think it's really close. It's the ACC by a mile.
1: Yeah, it's it's a hot take. I mean, if you're looking at this year, they're definitely the worst of the Power Five. And what's funny is that teams like Miami, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College. Those teams they brought in from the Big East, they're playing a lot like they used to late in the Big East because. Those teams are really at the bottom of the ACC like the last couple of years. It it does not look good for the ACC.
2: Nah, this is cold. First of all, I know I know we just did a whole show about Clemson. The Clemson era is dead. I agree. <laughs> but that does not mean the conference is dead. They had nine out of the 14 teams were bowl eligible. That's more than the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. So they only trailed the sec at power five conferences out of the entire teams in that conference being bowl eligible just because it's not top heavy with clemson anymore maybe the reason clemson the era is over is because those other teams are starting to get good like nc state's always good duke is now really good like these teams are getting better and i think they're starting to be more parity parity does not mean depth so who's your not, who's
0: your worst conference then
2: um honestly i would have to go back and look but i definitely don't think it's the acc like i think to say like just because their top one or two teams aren't like sexiest in the world that that's why they're dead it's not it's like you gotta look at the, the the conference as a whole like it's it's right up there with the other ones like yeah some of those other conferences are top heavy but like look at the big tw- look at the, the the big 10 like you take out michigan ohio state like how does that conference look
1: but see, I think but, but that may be a fair argument, but that's the thing, JT. You can't take out Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, because what would happen is if you did, guess what? The teams like Michigan State, the teams like Maryland, the you know, the, the teams like Purdue, they're going to be really good then all of a sudden.
2: Nine that's nine the of the difference. 14 teams won six or more games. That's more than three of the power Five conferences. I don't understand no, no, that no. means they're better.
1: But this is the thing. You talk about the Big Ten. Fine. We'll go with that. You said how many? Nine, one, six or more?
2: Yeah. Nine a 14. Yeah.
1: Well, guess what? So did...
2: No, that's the, more than the Big Ten. That's more than the Big 12. And that's more than the Pac-12.
1: But you're forgetting. The Big Ten had eight. Okay, whoop-de-doo, one less. But you know what they did have? They had three teams with 10 or more wins. That, that's got to be said for something.
2: I disagree. Next question. So
1: you'd rather have... Parody and mediocrity over mediocrity with greatness. Three you, teams.
2: Hey, look, I just don't think the ACC is as bad as people think they is. So
1: you're is. saying the Big Ten is the worst football conference this year.
2: Did not say that, but I don't think it's as you've I got don't to think pick. it's as as
1: you've, you've got to pick. The, see, don't blur the question. The, the statement was power to, five. If I had if you had to said pick not business. pick one, pick one. Pack 12. Wow. Blaine, I didn't. I, I wanted to move on, but I got to let you defend the Pac-12. You're the West Coast correspondent. Go, buddy! Please put him in his place. Please. Oh my
0: goodness! If if this was any, I would. This year, you can't say that with the Pac-12, with how much parity in the Pac-12 there was. You had at least, I think. If you let's do a count right here, USC, USC, they won 11 games. They Utah, twice to Utah. That's fine. Utah won 10 games. Washington won 10 games. Oregon won 10 games. Oregon, no, excuse me. Oregon won nine games. Excuse me. Oregon State won nine games. UCLA I'm looking at, won I'm nine looking at games.
2: Washington State, Arizona, California, Arizona, State, Stanford, and Colorado. Won, those are, ar- those seven, are arguably six of the seven worst games. programs in the country. The- like
0: How can they the, be the worst conference? You the, got Deion now. The
2: Pac-12, <laughs> the, the bottom six in the Pac-12 That's not true. is the worst that, out of every
1: Power that, Five conference. That is not true. You can't put Washington State in that bottom six. Washington State's not in that conversation. No way, bro. Come on. They're seven and five. According to you, seven and five is great. Because that's all what they see. According to you, six wins were. don't
2: mean shit. Next question. It's
1: supposed to be quick. Don't tell us what to do. Blaine and I will run this show. Oh, excuse Anthony me. Let, Richardson, let me kick my feet up. Anthony You do that anyway. You're in your bed. You're not even in the, in the Orlando studio. We built that beautiful Orlando <laughs> studio for no reason. We Anthony built. Richardson, we
2: built. All right, I'm going to send you half of this bill.
1: <laughs> Anthony. Hey, it's a
0: tax write off.
1: Anthony <laughs> Richardson should be a top 10 pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Blaine, you're up.
0: To not take. And it's a not take even though he's got all the phys- the intangibles and the what you want to see phys- on a physical standpoint the man really struggles to see the field if you actually go back and watch his Florida tape like he struggles to read coverages a lot of his big plays his completion percentage was ex- a lot lower than people really indicated he got away with a lot of throws and the one thing that everyone's so high and mighty on with now with being a top 10 pick is your, do you see raw potential nowadays? And you see that, right? So you can't make the argument that he won't be a top 10 pick, but I think it's a not take that he will, that uh he should be.
2: I think it's a hot take. And for a few reasons, he can at least do what Justin Fields has done so far. And people were saying that Fields was having an MVP stretch mid season and second is if will levis is going to be a top 10 pick why not anthony richardson will levis at least i know for sure whoever drafts him everybody in that organization is getting fired (laughs) so oh i don't think will levis is a top 10 pick either but he will be they're talking about him going number one and then the third part of this is have you looked at the quarterbacks that have come out the past few years like none of them have really been ready. Like Joe Burrow and Herbert, like that's like the last class to come in and set the world on fire. Like this is just, I guess, the reality for rookie quarterbacks. Like they're going to come in and maybe they're just not ready. Like why not get a guy that has this raw potential? He's a ridiculous athlete. Does he suck as a passer? Absolutely. But, you know, so a lot of these quarterbacks Like suck as passers. He'll learn. I just think that him going as a top 10 pick is just right in line with what I've seen. And he'll probably be the second or third best quarterback that goes in that draft class. And this is just par for the course. But yeah, there's a reason he's coming out is because they've told him, look, you're going to be a first round pick. And I think once he starts working out, he'll go even higher. Like he should definitely be in that conversation of top 10 pick just based on the quarterback play that I've seen the past couple of years out of rookies.
1: That's a hot take. Blaine you said it all he has the physical traits he's got the the arm anytime there's a a strong arm in the draft give me that guy we'll teach him to read coverages we'll teach him to read the playbook hot take yeah and I'll go one step further he's the Justin Herbert of this draft now you just now you just this shit has to stop you just gone too far you over, you over here. Put with that me. on IG. Uh, and in yeah, five yeah, years, yeah. when we go back, they'll be calling hey, Blaine, my ESPN. Hey, Blaine, do me a favor. Write that down. Man. I will
2: post that tomorrow. Okay, cool. Uh, let's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that shit ain't going to age well, just like Mason Rudolph to the Hall of Fame. So, next, we're going to switch gears to baseball. The Yankees made a mistake by re signing Aaron Judge because he doesn't make them a championship team. Blaine, hot take or not.
0: Man, I'm really, I was really torn on this one, but I'm going to go with it being a hot take because the Yankees are really needed to really build a team. Not just, I know Aaron judge, everyone was so high and mighty on how his regular season went. And you got to go, if you're going based off his war, it was a really high wins above replacement, but the man did not produce when you really needed him to produce. And that's the postseason, And that's in October. So why would, why would you take the gamble on something when you didn't even go out and get a starting pitcher and that's the thing that beats you year in year out that is a starting pitching and relief pitching in the in the major league baseball pitching wins you the world series it's not your not your hitting I know Don's like in disgust right no, now so I, like... I just I stopped
1: <laughs> listening after I heard hot That is not, not a take. Are you kidding me? I I won't even go into details. There's no way they could let him walk. He's the face of the franchise. And he's a reason why they can be a championship team. All the other pieces is what they probably need. They can't pitch. They used all that money to let pitchers go out the door. Hold on,
2: you got got to let him plead his case first. Go ahead.
1: But the thing is, Blaine, Are they not the New York Yankees? Do they not have unlimited funds? Have they not shown that in the past? They'll trade for a guy from the Pirates like Garrett Cole, or they'll trade from another team, or the next time a big uh, free agent hits the market, they'll go sign him. What does that have to do? They're not mutually exclusive.
0: Don, Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander were there, and you guys didn't even really even Blame. kick the Blame. tires. But
1: how old is Verlander, right? You Yo, saw Madden. him Scherzer. He's he old yes, enough to be Kane Upton's uncle. He's got another year. He's got, another year. He is. He's got <laughs> another year, just like Scherzer. And then DeGrom, you want a guy that's had arm issues? Like, that's the thing. The Nats gambled on that, and they let Bryce and other guys go. Meanwhile, they keep Strasburg, and where did that get them? Nowhere. Bottom of the division. I I disagree with the take on the pitching thing. If you're a championship team and you need to get that Verlander, fine. But you know I'm locking up first? I'm locking up Trout, Harper, guys like uh, Judge first because injuries with pitchers happen way too often now for me. I want a guy that's coming in, in his prime, no history, or if he's on the back end, that's fine. But I need a championship team now to sign those guys. So you're right. Maybe they should have kicked the tires on those guys, but again, it's not mutually exclusive. Why couldn't they do both? But don't sit here and tell me they shouldn't have re-signed Judge because they should go get Verlander. No way.
2: Damn, I don't I don't even know where to step in with this question. I guess do I answer what I originally had down? Y'all, y'all turn this into a, <laughs> a game war over here. Um I think this is a hot take. I, I agree with Thank you. because it's the old. What's adage JT? Baseball. He, he's
1: a Marlins fan. What's he know about baseball? <laughs> I
2: know two championships. He's I went. Actually, he's I've went actually to been. To he's a went World to two in
1: person. He's I've went to two World games in his in life in 1997.
2: I've actually I went to every home playoff game, and I used to basically have season tickets to the Marlins. So Man, don't come at me. Nice. Don't come at me about must baseball be nice. You're not going to win, Blaine. That.
1: Must Do be not. nice. He's got the studio at at home. I mean, it's, he gets to go to all the Marlins playoff games. Must be nice.
2: Hey, life is good as future would say, but yeah, I think this is a hot take and I agree with Blaine because it's the old adage home runs do not equate the championships in baseball, especially when you play in a ballpark where everyone can hit a home run. There's no advantage. And even look at the Astros. They are the antithesis of the Yankees. And why are they good? Because they are a complete team and player development across the board. So if you can't pitch, you can't win, period. Teams with the best pitchers, the best bullpens, those are the ones that are going to get it done come playoff time. Not someone who was struggling to get from 58 to 61 over like a 10-game stretch. So, yeah, I do think that the Yankees had a unique opportunity to go a different direction with their money. But I understand it's the Yankees. You guys are seriously
1: saying they should have went away from judge. Let me tell you something. Two things, two things, JT. All right. The disrespect. Blaine, I, I gotta
2: give you credit because
1: you have single
2: handedly changed the structure of this whole damn section.
1: So you the got him
2: chat. so pissed off. this chat. got him so pissed off that this is this this section is not going the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. But Don, I told you because I gotta I told, put you guys in your place. I told place. you, I told you're you the to bring the, the brand down. I told you in the beginning. I told you, bring the brand down. He was gonna come Don, on this show. Don, it wasn't gonna go what, how you 2009?
0: thought. It was it's been since what? Two thousand nine. It's exactly. been since two thousand nine. Exactly. And who did they and have who, on this show? They had Jeter.
1: Jeter. In a rod, all right, maybe the greatest left field side to play on a team. Listen, the other thing two things there you guys are disrespecting how difficult it is when you get close to 61. Go ask Roger Mares, go I ask really, McGuire, I I go didn't ask Sosa. I'm, I'm putting JT in his place, I'll get to you in a second. I'm putting JT in his place with that argument. Then, then the other argument is, oh, he only can hit homers, he batted 311. What else do you want from the guy? Oh, well,
2: you hitting 60 homers. I hope your batting average is high. So, I'll, I'll, I'll be, be play before next statement. We're no, done No, 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 no no no, Dude, no, no, no. You're ridiculous you, you, right you, now. You turned this into a free-for-all. All I got to say is... I didn't.
1: You guys did with, the you, with talk, the... you
2: talk shit about me being a Marlins fan. Here's one thing I do know. They got somebody on, on their team that used to be on my team that proved that home runs don't win championships. Because last time I checked, stanton was in miami hitting all those home runs we didn't win shit so they had two of them and couldn't get it done
1: again what does that have to do with what we were talking about it has nothing to do with re-signing judge now you can
0: go on to the next question don you just don't want the ring and you want you're using aaron judge as your back burner to make you feel like that the yankees are okay
2: I'm
1: not a Yankees fan,
2: though. He's a Pirates fan, which means he shouldn't even be talking about baseball. I
1: can talk about everybody because I am a Pirates fan. Oh, I can't you want, talk you want about to know how Pirates. bad it is? Oh, he is God. a
2: Pirates and a Magic
1: fan. You should not even be on this show. I'm allowed to talk about all the teams then because I can't talk about my own teams. Players like Drake May should maximize their earning potential and jump into the transfer portal. Blame.
0: To not take because Drake May is going to be arguably a top five pick wherever he is. And why leave North Carolina when you're basically going to be, Michael Jordan's going to do whatever it takes to keep that Jordan brand and keep you there. So I would say a not take, but I wouldn't be for Drake May specifically. Quarterbacks have that little bit of extra opportunity that, that doesn't matter where they're at. Right. And because of like, we mentioned it with Anthony Richardson, it's all about basically what you're seeing and potential wise. JT.
2: Yeah. It also matters who's in your damn class. So he says <laughs> a lot about this class of Anthony Richardson. It was like, Hey, I threw 20 picks. I can come out and be a top five. pick. <laughs> but um, I think this is a hot take. And I think it's true. It's even more so for quarterbacks, but I think it could be for any player that's really good because If you have an opportunity in today's college game to, you know, increase the buzz and hype that you already have, you got to take that because he goes from UNC to now, let's say, Alabama or LSU. That's a big difference in pro potential NIL opportunities, uh, not to mention like winning and the ability for those types of schools to provide those items versus UNC is not even close. So, yeah, he might be a top 10 pick at UNC but here's the thing are you more or less likely to get your game picked apart at UNC or if you're playing at Alabama because you know if he stays at UNC they're gonna be like oh well he played in the Sarius conference in college football he's not playing anybody but if you go to Alabama around more talent and still produce at the same level then you're a can't miss draft prospect and your your stock doesn't take a hit so I think more players are going to start considering this it might not be Drake May but you're going to start seeing more guys that ball out at you know, a school like UNC, and they're going to look to see if a USC or Alabama is available, and they're going to jump ship.
1: I'm going to say not, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't, some shouldn't do it, right? Like Drake May, UNC guy, like born and bred, like he's going to stay there, and he probably should. Other guys, maybe they don't need to feel like they got to go to USC for the money because some guys are still in it, in terms of building that legacy of their own at maybe a program like a Miami or at like a UNC or at like a pit. So I would say players like Drake May should maximize. I'm going to say it's not, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't. It just means that not all of them should.
2: I mean, I'm confused. Is that hot or not? Did your shit get it's left not. out on the counter overnight? Like I, like you said, I was confused. Like you for or not? It's,
1: it's on a, I said not.
2: Did you saying? But, but that's not it's not your answer though like it's not my answer is not
1: read between the lines go ahead next one oh, I
2: don't got your level of glasses All right so the Justin Herbert versus Tua debate was never close and it is now officially over this is the hot take or not Blaine
0: so I'm saying not, but not because of the reason on that statement. That's because I was one that never thought the debate even really started because I was a Justin Herbert guy over Tua all day, every day. So that's the reason I'm saying not in this situation. Not because I think it, that I think Justin was well way before Tua and well above Tua before we even started this debate, and I didn't think there wasn't a question in, in the first place.
1: I'm gonna say not. I always, I always like Justin Herbert. JT knows that. That's the guy that I would have gone with in that draft. But the reason why I say not here is, can we? St- I I just don't like how we keep knocking Tua. I mean, we forget like that would be like today knocking guys like Phil Simms, Mark Ripien. Those guys won Super Bowls. And you can say, well, was the team around them? Yeah, maybe. But you know what they also did? Those guys could play, and they made plays to help their team win games. Phil Simms had the most accurate type of game. So, yeah, Lawrence Taylor was on defense. Great. But Phil Simms has the best completion percentage in a Super Bowl game ever. Like, that doesn't mean that this debate is over. It's not even close. Yeah, is Herbert the better quarterback? Of course, but it doesn't like. I just don't like the fact that guys keep knocking Tua. Like Tua is still a good quarterback. Is the debate not like was never close? I don't know about that because even though I liked Herbert a lot, like again, JT will say one thing, but then he'll say the other thing. He'll say, yeah, this isn't even close. But then He'll knock Herbert on another day, saying, "What's he ever won? Why does he get all the credit and this guy doesn't get the credit?" So, bro,
2: I'm not even talking. Why are you bringing me up? I know because I know that's question. what you would say here and then hey, say the Am next I am I, up in, am, am I living up in that spiky hair? The answer is not. Not all right. I disagree with you because it's definitely hot, and I'm not. You shouldn't be surprised by this. a ceiling was always Herbert's floor. Like that wasn't even debatable. Like Herbert always had the talent to be up there with the Brady's, the Mahomes, the Rogers, and to his limitations, I, I just never liked where they would end up. Like it was like he would either be like a Russell Wilson type where he's exposed by a bad situation, which we saw earlier in his career, or he's like a Drew Brees where he gets elevated by an elite situation, which you're seeing this year. So I said this before the season, and this is one of the things I was worried about this year is Tua always had a chance to have a Kirk Cousins type situation where he was going to dupe us into thinking he was having an elite year, where it's more of everything around him is elite. Everything around him is perfect. So Justin Herbert, I feel like even when they're not winning, sometimes he still looks like it's not because of him. Whereas like Tua, everything has to be great for him to look like he's winning the game. So I do think this is a hot take for those specific reasons.
1: Hmm. Next one. Saquon Barkley is washed and more people should be
0: talking about it. Blaine. Oh, man. I'm going to say that's a hot take. Um, I'm going to say it's a hot take because the one thing that I, even though Saquon's having a little bit of a resurrection of a season, you would you you would say, this year. The one thing that I will say, however, as his hindrance, is that he's not showcasing – you would think Dayball was going to be the reason that he was going to be more of a influence in the game, and it doesn't feel like he is being the influence to this team. It's You saw it early on with how Dayball was trying to utilize him. It's fallen off of the map that way. And then I, you can't trust running backs with be, once they've played four or five years in the NFL because of the la- the total of hits outside of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the epitome of an outlier when it comes to NFL running backs. So and Adrian not, Peterson, uh, Adrian Peterson, I will not. Uh, uh, all right, fair. I'll give you a Peterson, too. So two outliers. Thank you. But I will say that is a hot take. All right,
2: JT. This is difficult because I love Saquon. But is it that he's washed or the Giants just don't have any other weapons to take the focus away from him? The answer to the question is yes. Probably yes for both. <laughs> well, anytime that you that Derrick Henry is averaging more receiving yards than you on the season, like, that's that's a problem but uh blaine you kind of changed my answer a little bit because i'm wondering he was the focus of the offense earlier in the year and like Dayball was supposed to unlock this beast that we thought saquon was going to be but maybe he found out what the previous coaching staff already knew like maybe saquon just can't be a feature back you can't give him this big workload i just think that there's just some running backs that can't do that like another guy is like Travis Etienne, where like you're like, oh, like he looks good at certain times. And then like the last like four weeks, like he hasn't done anything. And I think as people on the outside, we don't know this, but I think coaches, they get a pretty good idea of like, OK, like this guy could be a work workhorse. We can give him 30 carries. And I think he can handle it, whether he's 100 percent healthy or not. Like maybe Saquon, even though he looks like a physical freak, maybe he's one of those guys where if he's not 100 percent, we can't give him 25 touches a game. So. I don't know if it's that he's washed or maybe Saquon is just not who we thought he was and he's kind of settling into what he actually is and it's way below what our expectations were.
1: So then it's not. It's not a take because washed is a strong word. When we think washed, we think a guy that is on his last leg out of the league. Like Saquon is not even remotely close to that. And JT, you even just said it. What other weapons do they have? Like he has no help from his quarterback, no help from a tight end, no help from any sort of explosive receivers. Like, what else do you want from the guy? But to say he's washed, that's a little bit, that's a little bit too far. And I won't, I won't go there yet. He's had injuries, yes, but he's still like kind of on that rookie contract. So he, he is not washed.
2: But, but I think I agree with you. Like, wash might be a little hard, but I think. But that's the state, but, but you, but you got to think. This is this is where I could I could use Wash in that scenario. He went number two overall, and everybody just—he's like an instant freak. Like he is like he he like he, he was supposed like,
0: to be the next big thing,
2: like bro. But, like, like so, you, is Ryan like, Leaf a this or was he? Would you agree? With this? Would you agree, with you agree with this is he is he Both. top is he top five like freakiest athletes to play running back the past decade
1: uh yeah past decade yeah i would so, have to so yeah. if
2: he's not living up to that like i do think that is a wash because he's not even showing us the things that we thought about him so that See, a wash. I, now, would, I will
1: say this i would say that's a bust. not i will a say wash. this
2: because here's, here's, here's why i would use the wash even if i might not agree with it is look at him and look at somebody like ezekiel elliott like ezekiel elliott he could handle the workload and it's like yeah, Zeke's washed, but you put him back in there and he's healthy. Like, dude's doing his thing. And it's like, Saquon is supposed to be healthy. And I'm like, I just don't see it from him. So it's like either my expectations were too high and he's not who I thought he was based on flash and number two pick. And if that's the case, then I kind of think the wash term is warranted. Like, this is what, year three or four? Like, he gotta, he, he's got he got to be in his prime right now. And I'm seeing serious regression. so.
0: Well, and that's well, how I was. We'll that's how I saw the question, JT. Was the number two overall and yeah. the expectations that I had for him is why I used that. Went with the wash term yeah. as hot.
2: And he's, it, it, I'm sorry. Like, I know you think I'm being funny. Like, Derrick Henry averaging more receiving yards for you, but per there's game? a game like that's insane.
1: But to me, there's the definition and there's a difference between washed and underperforming. You want to say Barkley's is underperforming, that's one thing. is like he's
2: dead. Like, oh,
1: Sam Bark is what's, dead. Bro, like, when like, someone he, he says wash, right there in the 40 yard line. Nah, when someone says wash, that means you ain't drafting him until the 13th round in fantasy because he's washed.
2: All right, I'll say this before we move on. This is if I'm going to make an argument for why Saquon is washed, he is eerily looking close to a James Robinson situation where it's like, oh, we thought James Robinson was good. He gets traded to the Jets and he's like a healthy scratch. And it's like, what the hell happened? Like I can see Saquon following that mantra. Like somebody signs him, he goes terrible, like like a DeMarco Murray. Like he does, he goes somewhere and it's just like it she just never recovers. And next thing you know, he's out of the league. So maybe he is watched. Oh, this one, he's gonna love this one. <laughs> so before we before I ask this last question, um, somebody on this show is gonna have to make an apology after they give their answer because. We have screenshots, so I'll let him explain that when it's his turn. Zion Williamson is the real deal, and we owe him an apology for all the fat shaming.
0: Blame. Hot take, and I will be one of those. Zion, I am, I am apologizing for... Saying that uh, I didn't think that you were going to be getting yourself into shape to make sure that you guys would be an impact on the Pelicans, so I will be one of those to one of those people to apologize because I was one of those people saying that I was not consistent with how your perf- yes you were cons- your performance and your stats are were ridiculous, but you were not on the court enough for me to warrant that you were the real deal. But you are showcasing me wrong.
1: JT, were you referring to me? You feel like the cat fits you? No, because I would never, I would never shame him for being. I would never overweight. shame. Hold I'm on, I'm going to say that, that's that be, a hot take.
2: Be, before, before you answer this question, you not make me go pull the video where you said he was the most overrated free agency signing, and in that video, you were like, "What are you talking about? Uh, he's he's getting in great shape. He's got a great workout plan. Like, what are we talking about here?" definitely said that but whatever
1: anyway it's a hot take all right he's proving he's the real deal and you know they shouldn't have shamed him for being overweight now what i will say to this though all right is can he be consistent with it though that's always been my concern can he stay healthy enough and do this consistently for the next five, six, seven, eight years the way a franchise player does. Because he is showing now he's got that skill and he can do it in the NBA. That's the real deal part. But we owe him an apology for the overweight thing because he came in shape. And really, there should have been no overweight shaming. My issue was always the health part of it. Because of the way he fluctuates. We talked about this with James Harden. Like, fluctuating, hey, that's fine. Like, that happens to everybody. But when you're a pro athlete doing that, That catches up to you sooner than later than on a guy like a Tom Brady, right? So all I'm saying is, yes, that's a hot take. But can he consistently do this for the next five, six, seven, eight years? That's the question. I still don't think he can, but I hope he proves me wrong because the Pelicans are fun to watch. They're a good team.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a hot take. And y'all should have knew when Zion showed up with a jawline and the Michael Jordan hoop earrings, he was coming to snatch People's souls. And that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, I'm not shocked at all. Like, I I know I'm talking about a previous episode that we had when we were, I think we were covering NBA free agency. You disagree with the Zion signing, but there was also another question where we asked if teams had the cap space, who should they go try to make a run at the trade for? And I said it should be Zion Williams. And I said, if I had this cap space to go get anybody in the league, it would be him. And this is why is because like, the talent is unreal. Like, we just, you just knew it was there. It's just, can he get healthy? And I feel like sometimes with young basketball players, they come in injured. It just takes time, man. And I think people should have been more patient with him. But Don says this all the time. We live in the age of instant gratification. And I think that's kind of played into how people perceive Zion early on. It's like, oh, if you're not coming in like LeBron, then you
1: suck. So, I do
2: <laughs> – but
1: okay. You bring up a good point. That instant gratification. Guess what? All three of us just did. We're living in that moment, saying it's a hot take. But can he consistently do it? I mean, that's going to make. I, him I always either, thought he could. That's going to make him either LeBron, or that's going to make him any other two, three year All Star type of player. It's either
2: going to make him LeBron, or it's going to make him Greg Oden, who you compared him to. But but no, I I do I oh, do no. think. I do think he's the real deal. I think he's always been the real deal, and I do think people do not owe him an apology for the weight because that was the issue. Like he 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 was he if you could ask him and put him on a lie detector test, and you asked him, despite you being injured, were you were you doing everything you could to get yourself in the best shape possible? I guarantee you he would fail that lie detector test. So it'd be different if, like, he couldn't walk and he just got big. Like, the dude was out there doing 360 windmills at Rucker Park. Like, I'm pretty sure he was healthy enough to get on the treadmill or put down a burger or something like that. So, I, I I agree. you should You shouldn't shame him for his weight, but let's not act like him being overweight and out of shape was because of something he couldn't control. Like, he just was not serious about his diet and exercise, and now he is, and now he's reaping the benefits of that. So, I don't think the criticism about his weight, people should take that back now that he's playing well because it was warranted and it was part of the reason why he was being held back from having success. That's just my thoughts.
1: Well, before we end the show, uh, Blaine, you, you mentioned it earlier, um, RIP to Mike Leach, Um, you know, without him in bringing the air raid to us um, in advancing football the way he has, I don't think, either of us three or any of us three would enjoy football the way we do. So we are eternally uh, grateful and thankful to him for that. So RIP Mike Leach and Blaine. Thanks man for staying on with us long show, but a lot of fun, a lot of good, um, you know, arguments and opinions brought up. So thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for your time. And, Uh, one more time let the listeners know where they can where they can find you
0: absolutely fellas it was a real pleasure to come on the show i've had a blast uh hopefully i didn't screw it up enough so i can come on again eventually dude you Um, can't mess it up
1: when jt's (laughs) on here and we hope we we hope you would love to come back man we'd love to have you on again you can even come back when he's not here i mean i prefer that
0: all right perfect um, but you can catch the final dot uh, final whistle sports podcast on Instagram, TikTok, the final whistle, Facebook, final whistle sports pod. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And I know JT and the Don wanted to try and get that uh, special announcement out of me. I will give a hint of what it is. Um, let's just say the final whistle sports podcast is expanding, and I will leave it at that. Ooh.
2: Um, Ooh, that boy going from the ACC to the SEC, he's leaving us behind. I, I knew this day would come. He's going
0: from he's going from
1: the well. I will, I won't say it about that, the ACC
2: that that boy that boy everybody. Blaine jumped in the transfer portal like he was Drake May. I, <laughs> I, I, knew, I, knew I This was going to happen. I,
0: I'm, hey man, everyone was flexing on Anthony Richardson being that top five pick. I was like, I gotta get that out now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well that, no, that, that
1: that that's, that's great, awesome. man. We can't wait for the to hear the news. Um, and we're excited about that. So, you know, good, good luck, good luck with that. And again, thanks for, for coming on. And for real, we hope to, that you're uh, willing to come back on um, and even put up with us again in the future.
0: Absolutely. Guys would love to uh, love to come back on. Definitely going to get you guys coming on to the final sure. whistle sooner rather than later.
1: For sure. For sure. And to all the fans and listeners out there, thank you as always for listening to us and remember to subscribe to us on apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts and remember if you like what we do leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review and remember you can follow us on social media our handle jt and the dawn can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook. So, JT great episode, a lot of fun. I got another W over you. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.